sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle, at Sunday dinner time, I got my, uh, I made myself some pesto with shells and some fresh tomatoes and fresh mozzarella and a little bit of uh, a little bit of chicken here tonight. So I did run two miles this morning. I'm feeling good. The weather is absolutely beautiful outside. So uh, I appreciate you. Uh, taking time out of your Sunday to make me part of it, at least. So we'll be talking all things New York sports till 10 p.m. on this absolutely stunning Sunday here in New York. The Yankees walked it off. The Mets tied it up. Got some magic going. Hollywood magic going out there in La La Land, it looks like. First and third, the Mets have top of the A 3-2 count on Escobar. I'll keep you updated throughout the, the rest of the show, at, at least while the Met game is still on, of course. I appreciate you uh, making me, again, part of your Sunday and throughout the rest of the night. We're here, of course, in the in the Big Apple in-studio. Connor and Green and I are coming your way live from the Carton and Roberts studio, the Mike Francesa studio. Uh, special guest for tonight is going to be at 8.20. It's uh, Lindsay Barra. She is the executive producer of, quote, It Ain't Over, which is doc- a documentary about the Yankee legend, of course, Yogi Berra. I think they're related to each other. I think um, that's going to be premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival uh, this upcoming weekend. So we'll talk to Lindsay about that. If you're an old school Yankee fan, I'm sure there will be some nuggets uh, for you to take out of that. Also, too, the, the interview from Mark Feinstein, I did post up last night. He did retweet it. Uh, he has a book out as well. Um, and if you're an old school Yankee fan, I'm talking like you know Thurman Munson sort of Yankees and, and all that. Go and check out that interview because it was a little bit of nostalgia feel with that. And so, uh, hey, listen, we've got a new format. It worked really well last night, so let's do it again today. I'm going to do a little bit on the Rangers right now, and I want you contemplating giving me a call. I want you to pick up the phone and dial the number, 877-337-6666. Not that I need to tell you that by any means at all. And Escobar just flied out to deep right field. Alonzo looking like a cartoon character chugging along from third base to home. That is a sack fly, and the New York Mets have taken the lead 3-2 to two over the L.A. Dodgers. Looks like there might be a pitching change, so let's get to it. The NHL Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, it's officially at two games to one in favor of the Rangers. Um, oh, and before we talk about the game today, did you see that Gerard Gallant, who was one of the three finalists for the Jack Adams Award, which is like the Coach of the Year Award, he didn't win it? Like, what? Like, the NHL defines it as an award that is given to the NHL head coach adjudged to have contributed to the, the most to his team's success in the regular season. That's the definition given by the NHL. Now, this guy, Gerard Gallant, with the New York Rangers, he took a team that won just 27 games last season into a regular season 52-win team. He almost doubled their win total in a single season with, by and large, a lot of the same roster, give or take. Okay, But if you ask me, I think it's a total snub. Gallant won it in uh, 2018 when he took the first year in existence, Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, I get it. But as far as this year's team, this Rangers team, and their run, there was a quote from Gallant I saw after, I think it was game two of this series, and he said, everybody's buying in. I think if you looked at our team since probably game four or game five of the Pittsburgh series, we blocked a lot more shots, we finished a lot more hits, we played the game the right way a lot more. That's how you win in the playoffs. Okay, 
all that's fine. But add in the fact that this team is coached by a guy who should have won the Jack Adams Award. All that just doesn't like magically happen. Like snap your fingers, it happens. No, that, that's coached. And again, the guy took the team from 27 wins the season before he got there to being a 52-win team this season in his first year. So to me, I think it's an absolute snub of Gerard Gallant. His team is now up two games to one uh, in favor uh, of the Rangers, of course, on the two-time defending world champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, to the game today. I feel like I'm going to have to play. Sometimes I have to come in here and play the role of a therapist sometimes. And that's okay because I do have a degree in psychology. So I don't practice to be a psychologist. As you know, I teach during the week and I coach. But, um, yeah, the Rangers dropped an absolute heartbreaker, heartbreaker in Tampa Bay today. And and just it feels like I, I should have slept here last night. But we talked about just a few hours ago, the importance of the power play. And every goal that was scored on the power play uh, today, it was, it, was, it was four of them, and it was for both teams until that very last goal. That's how important the power play has been to both the Lightning and the Rangers. And again, that, the only goal that was at full strength was the last one of the game. And for me... As I'm driving in, so I'm more of a visual learner. Uh, right now, I have the Met game here in studio. I'm watching it on TV. I like to watch. So when I'm driving in, I, of course, I, you know, I, I would have loved to listen to Kim, but I knew I had to tune in to the Ranger game, obviously, to be able to, to speak with you about it. Um, and I was going back to Kim on commercials and stuff. Um, but the turning point of the game for me, Kucherov, the best skater for the Tampa Bay Lightning, hands down, period, stop. He was called for a four-minute, four-minute double minor with 9.04 left in the game. It was a high-sticking call. 9.04 left in the game. The Rangers are in prime position with four minutes to go to take the game. And then Truba comes in, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to just negate this whole thing. He draws a penalty of his own. And then at that point, the Rangers once the Rangers only had a 27-second man advantage after that penalty. So it was like it, it was a total negation of, of, of the Kucherov penalty. And that to me was the turning point of the game. Because the Rangers had a golden opportunity in those four minutes that they never actually had the chance. And you know. Based on my calculations, going into today's game, the Lightning this season won 61% of their road games. At home, 73% of their home games. So we just talked a few hours ago. I expected the Lightning team to be re-energized by the Lightning crowd. And, And that's exactly what happened. So as I'm going over the George Washington Bridge in the traffic... Always. Why is there so much traffic on a Sunday? I'll never understand. But I'm thinking, all right, well, I paid the toll. I'm like, all right, well, this game's going to go into overtime. They're going to take it to the locker room. And then I heard with 41.6 seconds left in the game, the game was put on ice. And that was it. Tampa took the, the first lead of the game with 41.6 seconds remaining. It was a one-timer. By Andre Pilat, dagger, done deal. 
3-2 Tampa, final. So, an absolute heartbreaker. And for me, I'm driving, I'm not watching it, but what I'm hearing is I'm like, all right, they're just they're just going to take you to the locker room and they're going to call it a call it a day. Come out overtime and and, and regroup and strategize and all that and, and just Palat just didn't give him the chance to do that. Rangers drop a heartbreaker in Tampa, 3-2. But I did say last night that I did expect them to lose this game for the simple fact that the Lightning, with their backs against the wall, they're a fantastic team in front of a home crowd. So I did expect the Rangers to lose that game. And go back on the on the, on the app, you'll find it. I said they were going to lose last night. Or, I'm sorry, today. I said last night that they were going to lose today. So, you know, I was listening to the morning show uh, one morning on my way to school. And Boomer was talking about, and I know no one likes hockey, Boomer. I get it, but I'm opening the show today with it. And Boomer Esiason was talking about how, long story short, that this Rangers team has what it takes. And I had been thinking the same thing. So as he was saying that, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to place a bet. So that day, I placed Boomer Esiason's opinion on the Rangers kind of confirmed what I was thinking, and it pushed me to make a bet. I bet on the Rangers to be the outright winner of the NHL Stanley Cup all the way back on March 30th. And I was so confident that I put the biggest bet I ever done, $20, at plus 1,800. The Rangers are what? Is it five wins away? No, it's got to be, it's four in in the Stanley Cup. And uh, what is it? Uh, they need two now, so six. They're six wins away from earning me some some good money. So I, and I know I have a little bit invested cash-wise as well, but I, I still logically believe in this team. They are still in the driver's seat. Don't get me wrong. However, there is one thing that I am worried about now. It's like a chink in the armor of, of this New York Rangers team. Ryan Strom. He left the game early in the second period, and I have not seen an update. And I know Pete McCarthy just gave you one that, you know, Gallant said he's gonna, hopefully going to be ready to go for the next game. But I don't know. He tried coming back out on the ice for, for you know, one little one little shift there, and, and, and he couldn't do it. And I know hockey players are tough and all that, but, but that would be concerning to me because for me also, besides the four-minute double minor on Kucherov that was negated, the game really shifted from there for me. And... I believe with Strom coming out, it, it it affected the Rangers. I mean, the momentum of, of the game kind of swung in favor of the Lightning at that point because I guess midway through the second period, I mean, they didn't really look back. And another thing that stuck out to me was was a little concerning was the, the shots on goal disparity. 51 for Tampa Bay, 30 for the Rangers. So I still think the Rangers can win this, this series. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I don't just say things to say things. I, I really don't. I believe it. So I, I appeal to you, Rangers fans, you heartbroken Rangers fans right now. I appeal to you to to keep the faith. Uh, a line from Bon Jovi, keep the faith, Rangers fans, because you know what? No one thought the Rangers were going were gonna to be this far to begin with or, or get this far to begin with. And no one thought they were going to sweep this series by any means. So 2-1 to one Rangers on the series. The next game is what? Tuesday night in Tampa. Let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can do. And, and Tomas Nito, uh, I believe it was bases loaded, just poked a single to, it looked like right field. I, I'm watching with like one eye. And we'll get to your calls at 877-337-6666. Yeah, Tomas Nito poked a single and you got, uh, is that Chris Bassett scoring from second base? Can't be. 
And the Mets just uh, padded their lead a little bit. Now they've got a first and third. Nito on first, Guillaume at third with two outs in the top of the eighth. The Mets lead the L.A. Dodgers 4-2 to two with Brendan Nimmo at the plate. All right, we'll go to your calls, 877-337-6666. Uh, to uh, Rick in Tampa, you're up on the phone. Oh, oh no break today. There you go. No. Okay, I was actually going to do something. I figured you're taking a 20-minute break. Okay, Danielle. No, it's, a, first, it's a new format here, Rick. We're, we're trying it out. It's, it's been working. Okay, first of all, I blame you like I did the other day. Why do you got it? Why do you got to tease your cousin down here in Tampa <laughs> when we're up two to nothing? I hold this on you right now. This is okay? my fault. This is my fault. It is. that I texted him I and I said, "Hey, listen, Danielle, I called you out. Close it a month ago yeah. when you, you know, you know, this is you. This is you. I told you, don't say, don't say any, don't touch." Tampa, let them <laughs> let them lose themselves. We listen. Did we think we we're going to sweep them? No, but we're up two to nothing. We're up, mm-hmm. and then we lose this way, and it is heartbreaking in a lot of ways because right now everybody is texting. Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go, and I believe them because that's what they needed. This team, they needed that. They needed that win. We needed to go to overtime, mm-hmm. break their back. We, first, we needed to win the game in general. But once it was 2-2, two to two, we need to go to overtime because that's the scenario in our minds we're dreaming of. If they're going to win, we're not going to sweep them. But if we are going to sweep them, this is the way it happens. You go to overtime, mm-hmm. and we get this goal, this fluke goal, and we go up 3 to nothing. Right. They score. And for anybody, and, and Rick and I, we talked last night too, So, and I post on Twitter a, a lot, but my, my cousin that lives in Tampa, I've been to a Tampa Bay Lightning game this season, and I, I texted him in game two, and I asked him, I, I and I'm not a really great trash talker, but I, I, I felt very compelled to send him. No, you felt you had to do it. I had to, because I said to him, oh, because all I heard was Vasilevsky, all world, he's the best goalie in the league, all that. So when, you know, in game two, I texted him, I'm like, hey, have, have you colored in your poster yet for the missing person poster for Andre Vasilevsky? Oh. Oh, and the milk carton thing, and and, and it, it it backfired on me today. It did. It did. <laughs> it did. And Vasilevsky, when the game was tied, said, okay, game on. And that was it. That was it. And it was over. And now we have to face this giant who easily can beat us easily three games in a row. There's not a doubt in my mind, so I'm very concerned. Now, I have to say a couple things on behalf of the Rangers that hopefully – well, because I'm really nervous down here. And then Tuesday, I was, you know, I was going to go, like I told you. I, I said to you, that email I mm-hmm. sent was kind of weird. I said, I'm going to go. If they, if, if they have somehow win, I'm going Tuesday night because I'd love to see him clinch mm-hmm. on, on, on ice. No, and now no, I'm, no. I'm nervous about going, so I don't know if I'm going to go. But it's funny. Gallant the other day, yesterday, said, we're going to play the game as usual, and we're going to win and get our two points. He actually said that. We're going to get our two points. Like, he was so thinking, this is regular season, mm-hmm. that he says we're going to get two points. Yeah, that's amazing. Even though it's the playoffs. So everything is status quo with the Rangers. And this stuff that they were kind of hitting on 
uh, on uh, uh, Igor and stuff. I don't like that dirty play teeny bit that yep. Tampa was doing. Yep. That could come back to bite him because if they're going to do that, I know he said on the pros game that he's going to look at the tape and stuff because that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's not right. They want to do like, that. Yeah, it was one of those like uh, by accident on purpose sort of hits on him. Yeah. And, and I know the first one he flailed, he threw the stick, great acting, but the other one was, was a bit serious, I think. Yeah, it was. And, and, and if they want to do that, you know what, that could get the Rangers going, but I am very concerned, and I I, I, I tease you because you <laughs> did tease your cousin, and uh, I blame you. I'm yelling, Danielle, why did you say that? But, <laughs> well, Rick, I'll be back. I'll be back on Saturday, and hopefully, the Rangers are still in the driver's seat at that yeah, point. Because oh, because listen, Tuesday's game. I mean, that's very important. So we got to take that game, and you know, Strom, yes, he should be back. But of all the players on the team. He's probably the least one I would be concerned if we were to lose. Yeah, so, well, Rick, we'll, we'll see what happens. We will see, we'll keep I, the faith, we'll, and we'll see what happens. We will. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll talk I'm next weekend. able to talk to you tonight. All right, I'll see you. All Bye. right. So I got a text in that meantime by, uh, by big Bon Jovi fan and Ranger fan, Kevin Wall, and he loved the line, keep the faith. He texted me in capital letters, keep the faith. Yes, keep the faith, Rangers fans. Uh, it's, it's okay. It's all right. I know it's a heartbreaker. But you're still in the driver's seat, and no one thought this team was going to sweep the uh, the Lightning. Nobody. And uh, I just kind of paused because Mookie Betts was just knocked to the ground by a 100-mile-an-hour fastball by Edwin Diaz. Looks very amicable. Looks all right. No benches are clearing. Betts adjusts his hat and dusts off his bat. And steps back into the box. All right, as we as he does that, let's go to Justin in Deer Park. You're up on the fan. You know, first of all, tough Ranger game, but but there's one thing you got to do. What Billy Joel says, you got to be keeping the faith and don't stop believing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's two things. Isn't that Journey and Bon Jovi though? Billy Joel and Journey. Billy Joel sings "Keeping the Faith." Well, Bon Jovi sings sings "Keep the Faith" as well. I guess it's two different ones. Keep the faith. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My all right. thing. My questions. When the first period, when Tampa was going into Igor, do you think early, should the Rangers keep go per dangerous need to play better protecting Igor? Yeah. They, Today, yeah. It was hard. It was not good. And mm-hmm. also, their defense needs to play a little better. Go Guys going into Igor, I would say in game four, go rough them up a little. Yeah, today was the one day that I was concerned about the Ranger defense. It, it's been great, actually. It has been great. Today, it hasn't been great. I mean, you saw it in the shots on goal disparity. Three. It wasn't and good. Also, Truba concerning three ridiculous penalties. Come on. Yeah. These stupid penalties. I'm sorry for saying that. I mean, I'm was, not allowed to say that word. I'm no, sorry. Justin, it was the turning point in the game. I mean, they had a four-minute power play negated by him. I mean, how silly was that? Come it on. It was ridiculous. In the moment, I had to see the game. I had a feeling they were going to lose, and then they're going to win game game four. But as long as they got one game back in the garden to win, yes, that's my point. Yep, right, Justin, and, and I appreciate that, and that's a good point and a good little segue because game five, I'm supposed to be at. You know, I was supposed to be at all the other ones too. Uh, I have a story coming up a little bit later uh, with my friend, and I, I want to know your opinion of. <laughs> Should I put him in the doghouse or not on that? But but that coming up in a little bit. We'll take more of your calls at 877-337-6666. Oh, and, and by the way, um, I, I did get a, a two messages that says, yes, Lindsay is Yogi's granddaughter. 
Duh. Yes, I, I do know that. <laughs> I do know that. And uh, we'll talk to her at 8.20 in regards to the, the new documentary of, of Yogi Berra set to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. I was just making a joke before. I know who she is. <laughs> I know Lindsay. I don't want to say real well, but I do know Lindsay on a personal level. So uh, I do know that she is Yogi Berra's granddaughter. Uh, 877-337-6666. I'll take more of your Rangers calls, of course. The Yankees walked it off today. And uh, the Mets... They're close to closing it out here in L.A. So all that, I'm Daniel McCartan with you until 10 p.m. here on The Fan. It's time that everybody put a little respect on Nestor Cortez's name. And I'm not talking like, you know, all-star type respect. I'm talking Cy Young respect on the guy's name. But I'm trying to look at, um, I I love love doing like these mystery player little segments here. And, And by the way, um... Trending on Twitter. Trending on Twitter. Nationally. Jacob Truba and, and the Rangers are trending nationally. So that, that kind of sucks. So let's put a little respect on Nestor Cortez's name. As I search and search, I have so many things on my desktop. I got to clean this out. Okay. So if you go to my social media accounts, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter, on Instagram and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I just put up one of my very famous polls. I love doing this. It, it's, it's a, I call it mystery player. And I love doing like the immediate reaction on this too. So 12 hours. No, no, no. I want to do like zero hours. I want to do like, I don't know, 20 minutes tops. So you got to go over there and get your vote in. Uh, look at the chart. Which pitcher are you picking to win the very early AL Cy Young Award. And I will tell you, one of those guys is Nestor Cortez. The other four, let me hit tweet on that. All right, so go ahead. That's tweeted. I can uh, try to get that on Instagram as I talk here, but that's probably not the best thing to do. <laughs> so I, I, and thank you for being patient with me as I get that up because it's all going to tie back in together because I want to see how you guys vote, obviously. So I'm just airdropping it to myself from my computer to my phone. All right. So Nestor Cortez. Everybody's been talking about, oh, yeah, Nestor. He, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. You know, he, he'll make the all-star team. He's all right. Maybe he'll start the all-star game. And I'm sitting there going, I'm like, oh, wait a second. Nestor Cortez. And I did a little, little dive. And, and, and some of my best stuff comes from my little dives. All right, I've got the poll up on both Instagram, at Coach McCartan, and Twitter right now. So, it's June 5th, I get it, and I know that. And I know that Garrett Cole, too, is the ace, air quotes there, the ace of this staff. It's Garrett Cole. He flirted with a perfect game this week. I get it. On paper, Garrett Cole is the ace of this staff. But when you look at the body of work, Nestor Cortez obviously is. I think a lot of Yankees fans would agree with that. Now, without the name recognition, okay, so I, 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 I put up four mystery pitchers, and I want you to vote right now who would get your AL Cy Young Award if, if it were to be given out today, June 5th. Because I told you, one of my favorite things to do is to take the names off of a list of stats 
for any athlete, of course, any sport, so that there isn't like this brand name bias, this team bias, all that. So I've sent it out. I looked at and how I determined the four players, because, you know, if you do more than four, it gets a little little crazy. But I, I picked out, I looked up the, the top four odds favorites uh, to win. And to win the Cy Young Award, that is, in the AL. And go ahead and look at them. I want you to decide. I ask you, which of these four mystery starting pitchers is your way too early pick to be the Cy Young Award winner, AL? So I, I charted a couple things. You know, the win-loss record. I wasn't trying to overcomplicate this. I charted the ERAs of all four of them, the opponent batting averages. I looked at the, the slugging percentage against, the on-base percentage of the hitters against, and then the on-base plus the slugging. And finally, I looked at strikeouts per nine. Um, so if you look at the chart, you'll notice that mystery pitcher number one has the lowest opponent on base percentage. Okay. And then you look at mystery pitcher number two, and, and what is the advantage to that guy? Well, that guy leads the field in absolutely nothing. <laughs> at all. <laughs> None of those categories that I just named. Then you've got mystery pitcher number three, who has the most strikeouts per nine innings. Okay, that's the only category that he leads in. And then you get down to mystery pitcher number four, who leads the field in ERA, opponent batting average, opponent slugging percentage, and on base plus slugging. So without a name attached to it, would not you think that this mystery pitcher number four is the runaway favorite? I think so. And I, I, I also didn't put, and, and I'm starting to reveal this now. I wanted to get some more votes in here. I, I, I did not put the order of these pictures in this chart very, like, willy-nilly. You know, the order in which I, I numbered these guys is the, is the order in which they're favored. Like So, like, the reveal here is, and by the way, on Twitter, mystery picture number four or letter D I put, got 95% of the vote. 95% of the vote went to mystery pitcher number four. And guess who that is? Ha. Well, that's that's Nestor Cortez. Verlander has the best odds. He's pitcher number one. Mystery pitcher number two is Shane McClanahan from Tampa. He's got the second best odds. The third best odds, actually tied with Nestor the last I checked, was Garrett Cole. And then, of course, number four is Nestor Cortez. So going back to the, the, the intro song here, it's time to put some respect on Nestor Cortez's name. He is, right now, on, on, on June 5th, he is the runaway by far, far and away pick to win the AL Cy Young Award. I, if you don't think so, I, I want you to call up and convince me otherwise. That's 877-337-6666. People, some people are starting to guess who it was. I guess I'd have to follow up um, with uh, online for anybody that's not like listening as they're looking at it. You know what I mean? Um, but I'll follow up with that. And then John Heyman, who via John Heyman, Garrett Cole said of Nestor Cortez, says he's pacing the field. I'm not beeping around. And Garrett Cole's right. I, again, forget the name All-Star which is obviously a great accomplishment. It's, it's a wonderful accomplishment, especially to become the starter of the All-Star game for the American League. 
But again, it's time to put some respect on Nestor Cortez's name for AL Cy Young. The guy is a pitcher in all definitions of the word. I mean, you you look at what he does. By the way, Lugo just gave up a solo home run. And the Dodgers have pulled within one of the New York Mets. It's a Will Smith solo home run off of Seth Lugo, the third pitch that he threw. 4-3 Mets. They're making this exciting, aren't they? <laughs> um, but but Nestor, the other day, Nestor Cortez said this. He said, I feel like adapting and trusting what you've done in the past will get you through. There's been a few games where my game plan has not worked out for the first few innings. And then, obviously, you adjust through that and go a different route. Once they start taking that away, then you could probably go back to your strengths and the game plan that you've done before the game. To me, I'm, re- I'm, I'm watching him say this. I watched it on, on the video uh, I think it was on Yankees.com one day at lunch. I stayed in my classroom at lunch one day, and I started just watching a bunch of videos. And so that, to me, is dangerous. You've got a guy who can turn his his game plan on a dime, right? Uh, like, hey, this isn't working. Let me try it this way. And I know pitchers can do that. But Nestor Cortez has been particularly effective in doing it. I mean, we've talked about here on this show, Roldis Chapman. To me, he's he's not a pitcher. He he's a He's a thrower. That pitches, okay? Because at this point in his career, he has to become a pitcher. Andy Pettit had to learn to become a pitcher. CC Sabathia had to learn to become a pitcher. Nestor Cortez, the dude's a pitcher, man. And he's just so dangerous. And and that last count that I had, Nestor Cortez is first in Major League Baseball in first pitch strikes. 72% of the time, or 71% of the time, he gets ahead on first pitch strikes. Well, that's a big help. He was second in Major League Baseball in ERA last I checked. And he's fourth in Major League Baseball in batting average for balls in play, which is a huge new sort of analytic stat that, okay, if you put the ball in play, then, you know, what is the expected batting average? Today at the Yankee game, they said Aaron Judge's, he lined out to, I think it was left field. I had one eye on the game this morning. By the way, we could talk about Peacock, too, if you want to get into that. But... Aaron Judges had a he he lined out to left field in the and it was like a hundred and I think twelve miles an hour and on the broadcast they said the expected batting average of balls that are hit at that speed one hundred and twelve miles an hour is like something north of seven fifty so they just in other words made a really great play on him but Nestor Cortez man he's my vote start putting some respect on his name and and by the way the Yankee game today. <laughs> First of all, the broadcast team was great. I, I thought I, John Flaherty, I could message him. I've been meaning to message him and tell him it, it was a wonderful, wonderful broadcast. And But that is if you found it. If you found it, well, that herein lies the problem. Friday night, the Yankees were on um, Apple TV. Saturday afternoon, they were on the Yes Network. Now, early in the morning... Like, I literally woke up from from the, you know, doing the late shift last night. I woke up, and I was like, I had to set my alarm in able, be, to be able to watch the Yankees. And even then, like, I had downloaded the Peacock app, and I tried to, like, you know, project it to my TV. Of course, that didn't work. So I was like, ah, oh, great. Now I'm missing part of the game here. What I had to do, and I'm very technologically savvy, if you ask me. I, I, I believe that I am. I had to go into my, on the PlayStation, I had to go into whatever the TV option on that is, and, and I bought the subscription yesterday, anticipating that this would take a while. 
4.99 by the way. And by the way, if I didn't buy it yesterday, I mean if I wasn't on the 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 the, the radio today talking with you about the Yankee game today, I would have found something else to do earlier this morning. I'm telling you that. I would have slept in a little bit later after the shift last night and probably would have sat by the pool for a little bit until the Rangers came on. In all honesty, <laughs> because it's just ridiculous how how it's like a, a you need a roadmap to figure out where these Yankee games are. And I, and I got a couple tweets about it, how disgusted Yankee fans are with that. You know, it's, it's taking advantage. There's, there's a guy who tweeted me that he's a, he's a Yankee fan in Houston. Can't get it on any of the networks. And to go to the game, it's ridiculously expensive. I get you. So anyway, this morning, I'll finish this real quick. This morning, I uh, ended up going onto the PlayStation, having to re-download the app, having to scan the TV for a QR code, had to get texted a PIN number to put into the, the, the system on the TV. They had to verify that I paid this subscription. And, uh, and it was just a nightmare. And, I, you know, it took a lot of time. And I, I give you a little hack for anybody that did buy it that doesn't want to get charged next month. If you go into settings on your phone, and, and the Mets are going to be on also this month. So that's it. After this month, I am done with Peacock. Done. Oh, my God. Was that a fair ball? Was that fair or fell? Well, judging by the reaction of the fans, that was a foul ball. We're going to get a review here in the Mets. How about this? Let's toss it to break. I'll, I'll figure out if that Mookie Betts home run was a, a game-tying home run or just a long foul ball. Okay, I'm Danielle McCartan. Call me up at 877-337-6666, and I'll also continue to tell you how to unsubscribe from the Peacock app without getting charged another $5 next month. All right, bye. Oh, yeah, that's uh, Miguel Andujar and Dominic Smith, both with options left on their contracts. Both, unfortunately, were sent down to the farm. They both checked into the Heartbreak Hotel with many people that were calling me up last night as well. Many fans of Miguel Andujar. I didn't realize he had so many fans. So they, along with Andujar and Smith, are in the Heartbreak Hotel. And you know, at least I can imagine, I've never obviously been sent down to the minors, but I can imagine that it's extremely frustrating, right? But that's how the business works, period. It's not personal. It's really not. And, and, and all the emotional reactions last night, I couldn't believe it. And Duhar was sent down simply because Gallo and Hicks have no options left. That's it. There's no more to that story. There's no less to that story. And there's no moving either of them unless you are in a really roundabout way uh, that we talked about 12 hours ago. If you end up, in effect, just, just cutting them, you, just, you, you can't just cut them. And I don't know if you realize, but Hal's Yankees are probably not in a position to eat any sort of contract money. And for the both of them, it'd be something like $40.5 million combined for the both of them. It's not happening. So if you want Hicks and Gallo gone, here's what you do. The best case scenario would be for you to start hoping that they can produce up to uh, and, and, and up their trade value. Because that's the only way that they're getting rid of these guys. But... If you want to trade the guys that you send down, Smith and Andujar are two guys that I would definitely consider in packaging in a trade. And I mean, boo-hoo, sorry, Miguel Andujar, about your request, but this isn't the NBA. Or you keep those guys around and say, tough, T-U-F-F, until the rosters expand. Because that's the thing. What is the point of keeping these guys at the major league level for them to sit on the bench? They're not getting any better on the bench. So, 
get them more practice on the farm. Smith mostly needs work on his bat and his 186 batting average. But again, he has options left. Whereas Gallo and Hicks don't. Okay, so let's not get that confused. And Andujar, he needs to work on his defensive play in left field. But again, neither of the demotions were performance related. And 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 Boone told you that Andujar's was just pretty much a numbers game. I, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty sure I got that a numbers game. And Showalter said that the Mets need bullpen depth. And for a game like right now, they're in the top of the tenth inning. It's tied four four. We'll get to that in one second. He was right. So, you know, it, it's it's too early to start doing these fantasy baseball trades because the needs now on June fifth for each team are going to be completely different than those needs over like a month and a half from now. But for the New York Yankees, I would love an Andrew Benintendi. Left fielder, left-handed bat, a very beautiful spray chart all over the field. Left field, right field, and everywhere in between. That's a base hit, yeah. And uh, and, and for the Mets, I would, I would love Wilson Contreras from Chicago. I mean, the Mets have an offensive void, and I know Nito's been on a little bit of a a little bit of a tear over the past three games, but by and large, the Mets have an offensive void at the catcher's position. And 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 this guy who is on a losing Cubs team is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Mets, Wilson Contreras. A two seventy five batting average, slugging over a five hundred, and his fan graphs war, his F war, leads all major league catchers. Contreras, a Met. Make it happen. So let me update you with what happened here. Um, no, I'm sorry. That was not Mookie Betts. I looked up. They had him on TV, and I thought it was him who had hit it. It, it wasn't him. It was Taylor. It was not a home run. On TV, it looked a lot closer from the angle from the broadcast, and then when they actually reviewed it in the stadium, um, it wasn't close to being a home run. He ended up burying one deep in that corner. Anyway, it was a double. Taylor. Long story short, they ended up tying the game. The Dodgers did in the bottom of the ninth. 4-4, they have forced extra innings. Mark Kana, Kana, he's up at the plate now. What happened is, J.D. Davis hit a double to left center. Pete Alonso, the, the, the ghost runner from second base, Pete Alonso scored. Watching him run around the rumble around the bases is something else. I mean, he, he's like a little cartoon character running around, the, rumbling around the bases. I don't want to say running. I want to say rumbling. And uh, so now the Mets are in business here. It's 5-4 Mets. They're showing the replay on, on Taylor. He, he, you know, it was a do-or-die play. He went for it, and it didn't work out for him. And that's what happened in left field. And then he's, you know, he's very upset with himself out there, swatting some bugs. But now the Mets have a runner on second. They've taken the lead back, 5-4. And that's one thing about this Mets team. There is no quit. No quit in the Rangers team. No quit in the Mets and no quitting the Yankees because they came back today and, and they uh, ended up Josh Donaldson walking it off in the Bronx. And Aaron Judge also did not have a great game today. He came up in two big spots. Two. Once with the bases load, couldn't figure it out. It went down on three strikes, strikeout on three strikes, inning over. And he had another chance late in the game and he didn't come through. So, hmm. All right, we'll go to the calls at 877-337-6666. Of course, I'm Danielle McCartan. He's Connor Green taking your calls. And uh, to Andy in Miami, you're up on the fan. Oh, uh, Coach, it's been a long time. I know, Andy. It doing? has been a while. You know why, Coach? Because I walk my dogs late at night, and I miss you in that 2-6 to six slot. You were uh, amazing, or that twelve or that 10-2, uh, to two, but I still listen to you on the app. It's amazing. 
I wanted to talk to you tonight about the Mets bullpen. I yeah. think, yes, it is It is too early to discuss the trade deadline, but what's not too early is to talk about the Mets bullpen. Yeah. Oh, Canada just struck out. Yep. The, the problem I see is that uh, Seth Lugo uh, in other years has been, you know, their most consistent reliever Correct. because Edward Diaz, as you know, is, has been, you know, very up and down. And mm-hmm. Edward Diaz for the last year and a half has not been up and down. He has been one of the best relievers in baseball. Yep. And he had a 14 pitch eighth inning. And I agreed with Buff putting him in the eighth inning because you had the top three hitters and mm-hmm. the Dodgers are top heavy, mm-hmm. but I would have brought him back for the ninth. I would have brought him back to at least start the ninth and then brought Lugo in. Lugo is not as effective. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he imploded this year, right? He just imploded. Leaves, correct, correct. He he completely imploded, and uh, he only went to his fastball once, and it worked. And the rest was just hanging curves. And I'm not sure who they're bringing in. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it's Joey Rodriguez or I'm not sure who they're bringing in now. But what I what I really think is they need a reliever. Do you know, Coach, why they let Aaron Loop go? Steve Cohen has the money. Aaron Loop, I thought, was their their maybe had the lowest ERA last year. I don't know why they let him go. Yeah, I'm not but sure. I don't think we need to wait to the trade deadline because you know that McGlure's coming back, you know, Scherzer's coming back, you know, DeGrom's coming back. That's great for the starters, mm-hmm. and that's going to make – I mean, today they're in the 10th inning against the Dodgers on the road with Trevor Williams, who's probably their eighth starter, yeah. considering the three starters I just mentioned will all be ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And yes, that'll improve the bullpen, but they don't have real late innings other than Drew Smith and Diaz. Yep. What do you see as possibilities the Mets can get? And the last comment I'm going to say is, mm-hmm. I'm so proud of this team because I'm used to watching them lose three out of four. Even if they lose three out of four, considering they're missing their top Three Two starters. Yeah, three. Yep, you're right. And, you know, with McCarr, too. I, yep. I, it's just such an obvious different year. Yep. Thank you, Coach, for letting me ramble. I miss hey, you. Andy, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, uh, and by the way, coming in for, for the Mets right now, the pitch is Adonis Medina, number 68. His ERA for this season so far, 5.19. Oof. Uh, this does not bode well for the Mets. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's too early to, to see, but, I, you know, the Mets, they have a, a black hole offensively from the catcher's position. Bullpen help, especially, I mean, look at this game today, as you mentioned. The Dodgers, the Mets, it's a big game. I said it last night, this is going to be the NLCS. This is a preview of the NLCS, and you've got Adonis Medina on the mound in a game that the Mets really would, I don't want to say need, but need and would really love to take. They fought back to win. My confidence in the Mets' bullpen isn't at an all-time high, let's just put it that way. Although, with Edwin Diaz, it is, and I agree with you. They should have kept him in for for uh, for a second inning, knowing how important this game is to take it from the Dodgers. I mean, this isn't a game against the Cubs, let's say. All right, we'll take a quick break. We've got an update for you, and I'm back at the top of the hour. We'll take your your Rangers uh, heartbreaking loss calls. We'll take your uh, your 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 love for Miguel and Duhar calls. Welcome back to McCartan. Danielle, at dinner time. Is it still? I'm still eating. I've got my um, my shells with pesto and and chicken and. Fresh mozzarella and tomatoes. I'm eating it uh, in between commercial breaks here. Uh, by the way, as you just heard Pete McCarthy say, the Mets have nobody warming in the bullpen, which is nuts to me right now. Of course, we're taking your Yankees walk-off today call. We're talking about Nestor Cortez being the AL Cy Young Award winner. Book it. Rangers heartbreaking loss down in Tampa at the Amelie Arena. And this is uh, uh, Medina's game to win or lose here, it seems to be, for the Mets. And he has to navigate the heart 
of the Dodgers order. <laughs> As the ghost runner is on second base, he's got he's to get three outs. Here's who he has to face. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner. Those guys, their batting average, it, it, I'm figuring out in, the, in my mind right here, their combined batting average, one's 305, one's 295, so that's 300, and then you've got 299. Basically, the three of them average 300. Good luck, Medina. Let's see how this goes for the Mets fans. I mean, I don't understand why you don't bring back why you don't bring back in Edwin Diaz in that situation. You wouldn't be in this situation if Lugo did not implode. And that was a that was a that was that was great. They got bets to fly out to right, and the runner did not advance. So Freeman steps to the plate. I'll keep you posted as we go on. But there's one thing that I wanted to talk about. Um, as you know. By now, uh, probably, if you're a fan of the station, I'm sure you've heard by now, but there has been an ongoing discussion uh, in the afternoon drive of who's going to be co-hosting when Craig goes on vacation. Evan made it into a big deal on Twitter, posting his famous polls, and I replied to the tweet, and I just, all I put was the, the hand-waving emoji and the, you know, the girl in the purple shirt raising her hand emoji, and that's it. It's got like 100 likes and counting and many responses by you, the listeners, which is wonderful. And I just want to say thank you for that, for your support, not just in that, but for other things. And um, by the way, Medina is working a magic trick here. He just got Freeman to fly out. The runner did advance to third base. It's all comes down to Trey Turner right now, by the way. Um, But, you know, I, I emailed Evan. I basically said like, hey, please consider me along with some other nice things in there. And I, I thought it was over. Boom, done. I got my name in there, got my name out there. They know my intentions, all that. Then on Thursday, Craig, Craig brought it up again. Kind of roll it. Who should fill in for you when you're on vacation? Oh. First of all, every single mention said Beningo. Don't worry, that'll happen at some point. Yeah, and then I saw that Daniel McCartney had a friend's uh, tweet out that she should. She always <laughs> does that. I give her credit. Got like three people like, yeah, how about Daniel McCartney? How about Coach McCartney? Hmm. Well, it's obviously a total given that Joe Beningo is going to do it, obviously, which is awesome. I mean, they're partners for a very long time. Joe still called him my partner when I met him at Hackensack Brewing not that long ago. I totally get it. I'm not asking for the entire week. Not at all. I'm asking for one day. And it was more than three people, and it was not my friends. This is not friends and family radio. And so my question ultimately is, why not Coach McCartan? Why not me? What do you think? I, you know, I'm looking around here. All, all we have to do, I'll put a piece of paper and it just says Mick Carton and Roberts. Or maybe I can, how about Roberts and Mick Carton? I could change it around a little bit. Evan and Danielle in the drive time. Listen, I, I think I think it'd be great. So why not me? Why not me? Anyway, 877-337-6666. And, and I'd have to say it's summertime, so I'm available. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. All right, in the order that you called, Nick in Rutherford, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, uh, good evening, coach. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Nick? Hey, good. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say, um, sorry I couldn't call it yesterday. I had to listen on Rewind, but I thought uh, – out of the last, you know, a couple of years of listening to you, I think last night was probably your best show yet. So oh, I you. really appreciate your enthusiasm and energy. Definitely keep it up. Thank you. Um, 
reason why I'm calling today, though, is I could not disagree with you more. Hey, that's uh, all right. I today kind of, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. This, this is why we have Sports Talk Radio, because we can talk this stuff over. But let's yeah. talk about it in Duhar real quick. So we talked about it on Twitter today, um, and I brought up the point to you that, you know, the Yankees, you know, while they, you know, aren't exactly made of money like they used to be, uh, not even three years ago, they were able to cut the $25 plus million owed to Jacoby Ellsbury um, because, you know, they basically mm-hmm. thought that, hey, this is our chance to win this year. Let's cut bait and cut our ties. And, you know, ultimately we know what happened. But, um, Danielle, listen, Joey Gallo, we are one-third of the way through the season. He's owed $10 million at the beginning of the season. We're one-third of the way through. I would estimate that after, you know, tomorrow's game or whatever, we're probably going to only owe him $7 million. You're telling me that the Yankees just can't cut Joey Gallo right now because you think his glove is so much more valuable, especially in a critical playoff game? I mean, Danielle, listen, look look what happened today. We pinch hit for Joey Gallo in the ninth inning, and then who played right field in the ninth inning? Can you tell me? Nick, it was it was the correct move, first of all, and I did tweet that too. I would have pinch hit for him as well in that in that scenario. John, you got John Carlos Stanton or Joey Gallo? Who are you picking? Obviously, it's John Carlos Stanton, right? But what I also right. what I also said last night too is that I don't believe Joey Gallo's on this team at you know, at or beyond the trade deadline. He's just not going to be. They're going to pick uh, uh, Aaron Hicks over Joey Gallo. It's just that's it. Period. So uh, you yeah, know, while. While the the going's good, the Yankees have you know they're in first place in the AL for sure. So while the going's good, all you can hope for as a Yankee fan is for him to pick up you know the pace with the bat. He hit a, a two run home run today. I didn't hear boo from everybody that was complaining last night. So let's see. Maybe this will snowball. Maybe he'll get going, and maybe the Yankees can move him sooner rather than later. Period. Done. I don't know. I don't know. I guess the garbage time pitcher with the Tigers this weekend, I think that was, you know, the one in a million shot. But listen, come play on Garbage five. time. It was early in the game. We Nick, time out one second. Nick, time, that's not how this works here. Okay, I'm being very patient. He tied the game at 2-2. It was early in the game. It wasn't garbage time. It was 2-2. Yeah, but again, we're playing the Detroit Tigers this weekend. Do you think that in the come playoff time we're, we're going to face the Tigers and the DS? Can you tell me that? Well, Nick, the Yankees, by the way, almost lost to the Tigers today. Just so you know. Okay. Okay. So, okay. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. But listen, every Yankee fan is calling in your station right now and arguing with you over this. And you're wondering why you're not getting that primetime slot with Evan. It's because of this opinion. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> is that what yeah, it is, Nick? Yeah. Is that what it is? That's my opinion that is. my that's opinion that Joey Gallo is going to be traded by the trade deadline. That's the you know, reason your why. Opinion, your opinion, your opinion that Andujar is garbage and Joey what? Gallo no, is Nick, I never said that. Nick, bro, Nick, stop it! I gave you a chance. That's not how this works, there, Nick. I never, never said that Miguel Andujar was garbage. Those are your words. Your words. I said that Miguel Andujar is the best. Bat of the three of them, and unfortunately for him, he was the one with the options left on his contract. Is he a better hitter than both of those two guys combined? Yes! Garbage! Where did you find that word there, Nick? Come on, man! You're better than that, Nick. That is not what I said. Stop putting words in my mouth. Joey Gallo will not be on this team come the trade deadline. That's a fact. Unfortunately, Aaron Hicks will be. He's the only true center fielder on that roster. I can't 
take another game watching Aaron Judge out there. I, I, every time the ball gets hit out there, I'm holding my breath like, is this the one he's going to die for and break a rib on? I can't watch that anymore, okay? So that is not what I said. That is not what I said. Actually, you could go back because it's still on the app because I was here less than 24 hours ago. You could listen to it. Listen to the whole freaking show. Never once did I say Miguel Eduar was garbage. I said, unfortunately for him, it's a numbers game, and he's going to have to just work on his skills in the minor leagues until he, until eventually he will get caught call, uh, called up, and they will call him up, especially when the rosters expand. Nick, you didn't listen to the show last night. You didn't do your homework. I'm calling you out on it. You didn't do it. Sorry. Do not say, don't put words in my mouth, because that is absolutely not what I said. Not at all. You're better than that, Nick. You are better than that. I know Joey Gallo's not great, but the best thing you could do as a Yankee fan right now is to get on the Joey Gallo train, hope that he does better, and you can get something for him. Maybe a team takes a chance on him. I don't know. Because to get nothing for him? Why would... uh, Robbie in Lennox, you're up on the fan. Well, you know, Daniel, that was one of the most refreshing rants, and good for you. You know what? And now you deserve definitely a chance to be with Evan on the air. And even Joe would call up and say you should deserve a chance to be on with Evan. That was outstanding, by the way. Thank you for that uh, comeback, because that was just basically rude of that guy. Don't treat the host like that. There's no reason for it. That's a tough job. I do show up here. It's tough. Let me tell you. You know, and and, and listen, I I was giving him a chance to talk. He's talking over me. This is a conversation. This is not who can shout louder, because guess what? I have the power to cut it off, unfortunately. I wanted to let him go longer. (laughs) I wanted to let him go longer there, Robbie, but I I just couldn't. It makes for great radio. It makes for great radio. Anyway, listen, um, Couple of observations. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm upset about Miggy too, and I understand it's a, it's a decision. It's, it's, look, it's a financial decision. It's, a, it's the way it is right now. That's it. Don't get his chance to come back up. Stay patient, okay? Yeah. Yep. Really, like even Willie Mays was sent back down, okay? And I know it wasn't a ton of times, but even the greatest of players get sent back down. You and he'll, he'll, he'll just keep the attitude going. Anyway, listen, right. I got to talk about the Rangers with yeah. you. A couple of observations. All right, first of all. Um, you know, Jacob Trouba had a bad game. He's had a, he's been great for the Rangers. This team has bounced back, okay, yeah. from everything. Triple overtime, down 3-1, down 2 nothing. There's no reason why they can't go back in. I thought they played very, very well in the first period. I even yes. thought the second period, they went 2-1. The Trouba penalty comes at a bad time. Here's my problem, though. The third period, from the time the puck dropped, the Rangers went in to a defensive shell, mm-hmm. and they started chasing the game. They stopped possessing the puck. They stopped playing in the neutral zone, including that rush, uh, both basically two rushes of the minute left. I was screaming at, at, uh, at, the, at the TV saying, where's the neutral zone presence? Where's the check? Stop reaching for the puck. And that's when it started. When the Rangers chase, Daniel, they're not a good team. But they're yep. still up two games to one. Take the ad to get this game. And you know what? They still have the home ice advantage. Yep. And Igor played his ass off. Look, despite the despite the, the short sided goal and the goal between his legs, yep. he made every other save. But I mean, I don't understand. First of all, why Gerard Gallant feels that every time the Kucherov line is on, that's the bandage line. Like, look, Mika played a great two way game. Don't get me wrong, but Frank Petrano cannot be on the ice in the last minute of that game. I'm sorry, yeah. Frank Petrano is not a great two way player. He doesn't block shots. Okay, and they, and Kreider makes a bad play to blue line. You gotta, you can't, you can't chase the game for the next. You know, for, for 20 minutes, 
So go back to your structure. Look at the good things you did and take them into game two. And Gerard Gallant, that's game three, excuse me, four. I'm way behind. Game four, yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I'm just, it was very frustrating. But Gerard Gallant, you know, I like this attitude. He comes in there and he says, look, it's one game, let's move on. And that's the attitude. And the leadership's there. You know, the Barkley Goodrows and the yep. Revos and the Quieters, they're all there. So, you know, I, I think they'll be fine. I really do. And uh, I still have a, a positive feeling. But, but you, you got to stop chasing the third period. you got to stop. And they were good on face-offs. Only left one face-off tonight. Yep. And, and uh, you know, so just go back and look at what you did in the first period, in the first period of the first two games, and the second period of the first two games, and the third period. Um, you know, and, and then just, you know, go from there. Anyway, thanks for, Danielle. Thanks for the time. Definitely. I would love to see you in the afternoon with Evan. So, all righty. Hey, we'll see what happens, Rob. Thanks, thanks Rob. Rob. Appreciate it. it. Oh, always, always a pleasure. Thanks, thank you. Rob. Thank you. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. And the Rangers defense wasn't, um, it's been great. Tonight it wasn't good, or today it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. I mean, look at the shot disparity. 51 shots on goal for, excuse me, for the Lightning. 30 for the Rangers. 51 shots on goal. Wasn't great, and I listen. I'm looking at and I'm looking at this injury to 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 Ryan Strom, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. You know, Gallant said he's hoping he's going to be ready. I don't know. For hockey players, they're tough. Skates out to the ice, tries to shift, and has to come back in and go right to, back through the tunnel. I'm a little worried if I'm a Rangers fan in in that sense. But otherwise, I feel very confident. Um, that the Rangers can still take this series. Absolutely, I can. Shesterkin is a better goal in Vasilevsky in this series um, and in this playoffs. Period. And it starts out from there. Mika Zibanejan has been on fire as well, stepping up in big moments. Uh, let's go to Anthony in New Rochelle. You're up on the fan. Oh, oh hey, Danielle. What's up, Anthony? Uh, oh, hey, I, I'm a teacher, too. I, I teach in South Bronx, um, in a alternative schools, mm-hmm. a GD program. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really cool that you you get on the radio and you teach full time. That's that's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's I, a lot of work. So, oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so uh, that's awesome. I uh, I just want to talk on the Yankees and Mets. It's nice to see them on top again and uh, contenders to to win a World Series. Um, I think the Yankees have a better chance to to, to win a World Series uh, just because their their stats are team stats look great. You know, mm-hmm. pitching and. And hitting, um, as far as like Andujar goes, I, you know, you can't force someone to to do something they don't want to do. So if he doesn't want to be on Yankees, they should really trade him and 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 just find another piece that that you know works. Well, here's the thing: he can contribute to this team when the rosters expand. So do you want to trade him now? You know, it's hard to say. And, and thanks for the call, there, Anthony. It's hard to say what they're going to need right now at this moment. And Duhar is attractive. He's got two more years for 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 you know for an opposing team. He's got two more years of control left on his contract. He's making like nothing. That would be an attractive trade piece that I, if I was another team, I would inquire about. Especially since he said he wants to be traded. Okay, fine. But if I'm the Yankees, I'm holding on to him for now. I'm not trading him right now. You're gonna get lowballed for him. So that's my my my. That's that. Uh, Chappaqua, New York. Gary, you're up on the fan. Oh, hi, Gary. Hey, Gary. It's Danielle. Like yourself. <laughs> yeah, you. I, I want to talk about Andujar. Obviously, the Yankees, I mean, he said this is the second or third time he says he wants to be traded. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 27 years old. He's not playing. He's a 275 lifetime hitter. I can't, I don't blame him. You know, I don't blame him. It's a pity. I would feel the same way, too. He's making nothing. Yep. He can get an injury tomorrow and his career's over and he's, 
He didn't make anything. Well, he's missed he 288 baseball games, baseball days, uh, not just calendar days, 288 baseball days due to injury already. I mean, so he's not like he's in right. perfect health to begin with. Right. Yeah, that's true. But um, but obviously they haven't gone to him and said, hey, listen, we're going to – we're probably going to let Gallo go and you'll have your shot. Because that's why he's saying I want to be traded. And I don't want to beat a, a dead horse with Gallo, but his home run today, you know, it's against a mediocre pitcher. Was the, the count was 3-1. Mm-hmm. There was a man on second. I know. He, he, was, he threw a, a, a fastball. Gallo does not have a major league eye to follow a moving. Anybody with a good curve, um, Thinker, anything that moves is going to strike him out, and that's all he's going to see in the playoffs are good pitchers. Yep, I wouldn't be surprised if he struck out sixty percent of the time in playoffs. But Gary, he's not going to make it to the playoffs in New York. He he will be moved before the deadline. Mark I my hope words. so. Really, I really hope so. But anyway, thanks for taking my call. I love your program. Yeah, Gary, thanks for thanks for making it and making it in a respectful manner. I mean, that's that's how it is. We you know we disagree. You know, mostly, but. That's how it works. That's that's how it works. Uh, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. If you're on hold, I, I would just ask that you please just hang there or give us a call back uh, at 840. Yeah, 840 or a few minutes before that because uh, up next, uh, I hate to break the little momentum that we've got going here, but up next I've got Lindsay Berra. And, of course, she is the granddaughter of Yogi Berra. And why am I having her on? Because she is executive producing a film called or a documentary called It Ain't Over. Obviously, a yogiism quote here, and it's about Yankee legend Yogi Berra. Yes, they're related, the two of them, and uh, it's, it's debuting right here in this area here at the Tribeca Film Festival in um, in just a little bit. Uh, by I think next Saturday, the 11th is the is the uh, is the date. So uh, Lindsay Berra up next, and uh, if you're on hold, just please stay there. I promise to get to you uh, in the order that you called um, on the other side of that. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on the fan till 10 p.m. Welcome back into The Fan. I am Danielle McCartan with you till 10 p.m. on this exciting Sunday. Uh, heartbreaker for the Rangers. Yankees win in, in, uh, on a walk-off by Josh Donaldson, and the Mets defeated the Dodgers 5-4 in 10 innings. So exciting times, um, but a little bit heartbreaking times if you are a Rangers fan. Right now, joining us, Lindsey Berra. Executive producer of It Ain't Over, a documentary about Yankee legend Yogi Berra. Yes, I think they're related. Uh, Lindsay, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am just peachy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we had a time mix-up this morning. It was. It, <laughs> I know. That was my bad. It's because I'm an old lady and I can't see anymore. Oh. So I didn't see the PM. And also, I just kind of have you in my head as like the early person. But maybe you're also the late person. So there you go. <laughs> Lindsay, I'm the utility person around here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we all know, there there are plenty of yogi isms, but why? Um, and I, I'm sure you had a big fingerprint on this on this film here. But why did you choose that particular one? It ain't over to be the title of the documentary. Well, first of all, it's it's, it's actually sort of ironic that a yogiism is the title of the documentary because in my mind, the whole point of the documentary is to make people remember what a great baseball player my grandfather was because I do believe that at the end of the day the yogiisms transcended everything and people really think of him as this funny old guy with big ears who said funny things and forget what a great ball player he actually was on the field. So uh, would that be the impetus to wanting to do a project like this? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it, 
I can give you a recent example, Yadier Molina, right? He just got his uh, 1,000th RBI about two weeks ago. And I see the news happen on Twitter, right? And I click the link because that's what you do on Twitter. And I don't remember who wrote the story, but the story that comes up about Yadi Molina getting his 1,000th RBI as a catcher has a photograph, like a you know graphic of, of three com- guys combined in a photograph at the top of the story. And it is Pud Rodriguez, Johnny Bench, and Yadier Molina, three catchers who have 1,000 RBIs. Grandpa has the most RBIs by any catcher with 1,430, and nobody thinks to put him in the picture hmm. because they think of him as a funny guy with big ears who said funny things. And, you know, it, it happens like that a lot. Um, you know, the Mount Rushmore of the Yankees and people talk about Mantle, Ruth, uh, Gehrig, and DiMaggio, and Grandpa's not in that conversation, even though he was the glue of that team um, who basically connected that DiMaggio, DiMaggio era, era onward and had more World Series than than any of those guys and like you know it i just think that people forget how good he really was tries to argue and say anybody listening now is like ah she she's wrong you know yeah, what, what do you say okay. to them? Uh, i'm that i'm wrong that he was as good as i say i say he is or that people forget how good he was people forget that okay oops we forgot yogi bearer to put him on our mount rushmore well i think the i think the folks that would argue with me are are probably the older guys who have uh, a memory of him as a player, but most young kids, you know, I, I work with uh, the the pitching coach Tom House and his biomechanics pitching app. Most of the young kids that we get using that app, the teenagers, they have no idea who Yogi Berra is. So I think that the documentary will go a long way to introducing him to a new generation of fans. And then in my mind, the It Ain't Over title of the documentary is speaking directly to that legacy. His legacy is not over because we'll be delivering it to some new folks with this documentary. And that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I love that. You know, Lindsay, we're talking about Lindsay Barrett here on The Fan. Of all of Yogi Berra's accolades, how about that he's a Purple Heart winner? Does the documentary talk about his service to our country? It it does very much so, um, and it's, it's actually funny. I'm going to keep ringing this bell until someone actually helps me. My grandfather was nominated for the Purple Heart. He took a piece of shrapnel or a bullet in his hand uh, in the invasion of northern France uh, just after D-Day, and he declined to fill out the paperwork because he didn't want his mother to get the telegram at home and worry that he had been wounded. <laughs> so he never actually, and, and you know, as you know, that's very my grandpa, very <laughs> humble. He doesn't need an award. He has the scar to prove it, you know, whatever. (laughs) So um, he never actually got his Purple Heart, never physically got the medal. And we've been trying to get that medal for a while now. And we had been told that his medical records were burned in a fire in the archives, uh, National Archives in St. Louis in the 70s. And when I started doing a little bit of research, I I spoke to a nice gentleman at the National Archives in Maryland who told me that that was not the case because the Navy documents were actually stored in a different building. Hmm. And I've gone down this whole rabbit hole with the Department of the Navy, with the National Archives, and they keep sending me in circles. Somebody actually suggested that I try to find a witness to the event on social media, media, meaning they wanted me to find one of the other five guys that was on Grandpa's rocket boat on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> um, that's pretty funny, right? Yeah, okay. Gonna, yeah. Um, so I, 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 that didn't, that was not a successful mission, but anyway, I want to get grandpa's purple heart. So if anybody knows where his medical records are stored, please call me. Yeah. And you know what? And that, and, and listen, we're not going to give out your phone number on the air, but if anybody does have a connection for that, let, let's get Yogi Berra and his family 
uh, his Purple Heart. So you can, you guys can email I'd, I'd me. like to put it in the museum, you know, so the yeah. kids can see it because obviously it's really cool to have all the Yankees World Series rings and his MVP plaques, but that Purple Heart is a very big part of my grandfather's story. He was an Italian immigrant who enlisted in the Navy before he got a chance to be drafted to serve in World War II and ended up at the D-Day invasion. Anniversary is tomorrow. We actually have an event commemorating D-Day at the museum tomorrow morning, but he was just so proud to be an American that he wanted to serve his adopted country and ended up being a part of that, you know, great bit of American history and um, was lucky enough to come home and be able to go on and, and live the amazing life he did and become the amazing ball player he did when so many others didn't. And I know he was very grateful for that. And it would be nice to have the Purple Heart in the museum to be able to just kind of help tell that part of his story. Yeah, everybody, let's, uh, let's get Lindsay and let's get the Barra family their <laughs> Purple Heart for sure. Uh, you know, Lindsay, I only met Yogi just one time. It was at uh, an Italian-American conference in Washington, D.C. You just alluded to it. <laughs> Does I assume that the documentary talks about his and yours and our heritage, right? So I have not actually seen a full cut of the documentary. <laughs> I will be seeing it um, in its entirety for the first time on Saturday at the Tribeca Film Festival. But yes, I, I'm pretty sure it talks about him. Uh, you know, coming from Italy and being a very proud Italian American. Um, Grandpa actually, he loved to go to those Italian American conventions in DC and yes. see all the other famous Italian people. Quick, <laughs> funny story. When I was in college, um, I used to talk to my grandparents a lot very late at night. I used to call them after the um, Seinfeld rerun at 11 o'clock was over. So like around 11.28, I would call them. Yeah. People thought I was nuts. They were like, why are you calling your grandparents so late? It's the only time I not actually know where they are. They're in the house <laughs> watching the Seinfeld rerun. But uh, one time he called my dorm room at like one o'clock in the morning. I answered the phone <laughs> and they were down at that event in, in D.C. Yeah. And he said, Linz, you're not going to believe what happened. I just peed next to Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> so he got a little Star Trek stuck, struck too sometimes, I guess. <laughs> so funny. Now we're talking with Lindsay Barra, executive producer of It Ain't Over, premiering next weekend at the Tribeca Film Festival. Your narratorial debut, Lindsay. What was the most difficult part? Oh, my God, voiceovers. I, I didn't know that I was going to be the narrator. Um, I think that, you know, we initially had the idea that we were going to get a famous person who knows how to narrate things, but I started telling stories and, and I guess they liked the way I was telling the stories, mm -hmm. but telling a story is way different than, you know, reading a script and, and whatnot. And it's not something I have a, you know, I have a little bit of experience reading a teleprompter for sports news, you know, on, you know, MLB, but I don't have a lot of experience doing like the John Facenda narrative voice from NFL Films. <laughs> so there, it, it took me a bunch of tries and, and I hope it sounds good. I might be watching with headphones though, maybe a little bit embarrassed. Oh, I know. Everybody hates the sound of their own voice. You know, Absolutely. I think that you though, the granddaughter, I think you doing it is more meaningful than any quote unquote famous person that you just kind of alluded to. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I, I, I try not to get too choked up when I when I talk about him, but there are still things that really hit me, and and I'm certain that that comes across in, in the movie. You know, I loved him very much, and I was very lucky to have him to till I was 38 years old. Not a lot of people get the chance to have their grandparents for for that long, and I miss him. And and I do think that that comes across, and hopefully it'll you know make you feel a little bit of an emotional tie to him. Yeah. You definitely lined up an A-list of guests to contribute to the story, uh, telling the story of Yogi Berra. So uh, the ones that I know of, let's go down the list. Kind of just give me like a, like a rapid fire. Take, tell me your biggest takeaway from each of the interviews, okay? 
if I can, I wasn't at all of them, but I will try. Okay. Oh, oh then which ones were you at? Um, so the, the very first one we did was Vin Scully, right. and that was amazing because his memory of things that happened in the 50s and the 60s is just incredible. And he actually uh, called Don Larson's perfect game during the 56 World Series, which I've had a chance to watch a number of times. And his voice, even though Vince is 95 years old, is still the same as it was back then. And yeah. it, it just was a real treat to talk to him. Uh, we spoke with Dr. Bobby Brown, who was Grandpa's uh, roommate with the Newark Bears in 19. 19- 46, uh, and they made their big league debuts together uh, with the Yankees, and that's the one with the famous comic book story when uh, Bobby Brown was reading his medical textbook because he would go on to become Dr. Bobby Brown, the heart surgeon, and Grandpa was reading comic books, and and, uh, (laughs) Bobby asked him, how did yours turn out? And Grandpa said, mine was great, how was yours? And it was a heart, it was a a medical textbook. Anyway, but Bobby uh, passed away last year, um, a, a few months after we interviewed him. So we were r- really excited that we were able to speak to him before he passed away and get his memories on film. That is very meaningful. Um, we also spoke to Ralph Terry, who also recently passed away. Um, we've got, we wanted to get as many people as possible who played with Grandpa, actually saw him play. So we got Tony Kubek, Bobby Richardson, Hector Lopez. Um, and then there's some like bigger, you know, big name folks in there like Joe Torrey and Derek Jeter, Joe Girardi, um, Billy Crystal is in it. Um, I'm forgetting a lot of people. That's okay. So were you at the Tory, the Jeter, the Girardi, the Mattingleys? I was at all four of those, yes. All right, so tell me, Joe Tory, biggest takeaway from what he had to say. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> we made this, this movie started before COVID, and then we stopped, had to okay. stop shooting for two years before COVID. I don't, I don't remember. what You know what, though? What I do remember about Joe and about Mattingly and, and Girardi is... Even though, like, they're not related to Grandpa, they knew him incredibly well. It's been a while since he passed. They all get as choked up and emotional talking about him as as I do, and it's very touching for me as a, as a granddaughter to see that as much love as Grandpa put out in the world, it really does come back to him. People like as as much as he loved those guys, they loved him too. They were like sons to him, uh, Joe Girardi and, and Don Mattingly, and it's really you know sweet to see that that emotion is reciprocated. Lindsay Barry with us on the fan. Is there anyone that is still accessible that you wanted to get but weren't able to get in touch with at any point? Trying to th- we mm, we did not talk with Jorge Posada. Um still accessible. That's probably it. You know, I mean, my biggest regret is that we didn't do this 10 years ago when my grandmother and my grandfather were alive, so we could have had their voices in the movie. Yeah. How might uh, Jackie Robinson have contributed to the documentary? He probably would have just said I was safe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's, you know, we do talk a lot about the, um, you know, obviously, Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier in baseball and beyond him comes, you know, Larry Doby and Elson Howard and Minnie Minoso and all other, all kinds of other black and Latin players who had to walk the same road that Jackie walked and grandpa knew Jackie in 1946. They played against each other in the, um, I don't know what minor league that was, but when grandpa was with the New York bears, he played Jackie's team, the Montreal Royals in the, in the uh, playoffs in 1946. They met there 
And Grandpa would go on to, to really embrace all the black and Latin players. Grandpa was, you know, told when he was a kid he was too ugly to be a baseball player, too ugly to be a Yankee. He looked like an ape. He looked like a monkey. He was called Dago. He was called Wop. He didn't want other people to feel, um, you know, just put down in any way the way that, that he had felt. And obviously the, the black and Latin players had, in a lot of ways, a much tougher road. So he would he would make a point of going over there and talking with Jackie and, you know, teaching Elston um, the ropes with the Yankees and just, just really embracing all, all the guys and making them feel like they really belonged in the big leagues because they did. Mm. Through the project, Lindsay, did you uncover anything that you hadn't already known about your grandfather, Yogi? That is a really good question. Um, off the top of my head, no. But when I watch the movie, I'll get back to you. Okay. okay. <laughs> We're talking with Lindsay Barrett, executive producer of the new Barrett documentary called It Ain't Over. The goal, obviously, Lindsay, is for the docu- documentary to be picked up. So yeah. for anybody listening right now, we've got a wide reach here. What is your pitch to anyone that's listening with the power to do it? Um. My pitch, it's a really great movie about a really great baseball player who was an even better human. Um, and, you know, his values of, of teamwork and leadership and loyalty and excellence and service to country and all of those things are, it, we can all learn from the way my grandfather lived his life. And I think it's something that everybody should see. So we've got three screenings at Tribeca and they all sold out pretty quickly. And we were really hoping that a streamer, uh, picks it up so the rest of the country and the rest of the world can see it. And the whole idea is to be seen. And right away, when, when I saw that you said that, I thought of the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center. Do you have any plans for any screenings there? Hopefully down the road, yes. Okay, good. All right, well, Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me tonight, uh, giving us a little glimpse in, into the, the life of, of Yogi Berra, your grandfather. I wish you the best of luck, a successful premiere, and fingers crossed on the Purple Heart and the, uh, and the premiere. Absolutely. Thanks, Danielle. Hope to see you soon. All right, see you soon, Lindsay. Thank you. And It Ain't Over, a documentary about the Yankee legend Yogi Berra premieres June 11th at the Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, Lindsay said the three, there's four showings, actually, and there's three of them are sold out. So I'm trying to get to the, to the one that's not sold out. It's next Friday, I believe. Um, and for tickets for that, you go to TribecaFilm.com. Just trying to check with some friends and see if they'll go with me because I don't really want to go alone. You know what I mean? And I, I'm sure I got a lot of callers. Like, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. But um Anyway, so I'm trying to get to see it, and if not, uh, she said there's plans for it at the Yogi Berra Museum and Learning Center, so that's, that's a lot closer and a lot cheaper to get to. So, hey, if it doesn't work out for, for this week in New York, then I'll, uh, I'll head down to Montclair to do it. All right, so we've got a full deck of calls. Thank you for hanging in, and I'll get right back to them. We've got, a, let's see, Mangillian and Duhar, Yankees pitching, Giants draft, okay, and some Rangers calls. So all that is to, to be expected here tonight. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 10 p.m. here on The Fan. Welcome back to The Fan. I am Danielle McCartan with you till 10 p.m. here on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday as the sun has finally set here in New York City. Gotham City. The Mets and Yankees win two overtime thrillers. Overtime. Listen to me. Extra innings thrillers. Mets out on the West Coast. Defeated the Dodgers. Um, I think the score was 5-4. The Yankees took one on Josh Donaldson's walk-off. Sack fly to deep left field today at the stadium. And both teams are cooking. Both teams are rolling. And, uh, and Lindsay just texted me and she was like, hey, I didn't even know they added a fourth screening. Yes. So anybody, and it's still available. So um, I didn't get a ticket yet. Maybe I should announce it to everybody yet. But uh, yes, there is a fourth screening to that. And someone already DM me and asking for uh, for the link. You know what? I'm going to just tweet it out. So stop DMing me. Uh, I'll send you, here's the link. Here's the link to 
the Yogi screening. Here we go. There it is. All right. There you go. Say it ain't over at the Tribeca Film Festival. Okay. So um, exciting days. Exciting today if you're a Yankees or a Mets fan. Heartbreaking day if you're a Rangers fan. And that's kind of the tone that we have set throughout the, the show tonight. I'm with you till 10. Lori Rubinson and the program will come your way then. Um, I, I didn't want to do this too, too long because I know you guys were waiting on hold um, throughout the, the, you know, the talk with Lindsey Barra. So let's get right back to it. Uh, let's go in the order that you called, of course. Peter and Wayne. You're up first. Go ahead. Hi, Danielle. Uh, how are you? Um, oh, great. How are you? Inspired me to call for the first time in like 30 years. I've been listening to the Whoa. station for, for 30 years. I love that. I, I love your passion. I loved uh, back and forth yesterday with Miguel and Duhar. Thank you. Even though I didn't completely agree with you, um, I, I I guess I'm looking at it from the perspective of here's a kid. I know he's he's still a kid, Miguel and Duhar. He's worked hard almost rookie of the year. Like, what does it do for his psyche? Like, the reward, you know, I mean, the reward of, you know, like, he really has been doing well this year. Um, you send him back. What does it do for his psyche? Yeah, it's not great. Gallo- I mean, it's not great. I mean, you got a guy who has done, Miguel Andujar, has done every single thing that this Yankees team has asked him to do. Came up as a third baseman, and they say, hey, right. actually, we want you to learn left field. He goes out, and he learns left field. I mean, he hits the ball better than Hicks and Gallo. Period. All these are facts, right? So to be demoted again, you can understand the frustration. But at the right. same time, it's just how it works. That's it. He has options. The other two don't. And and stick it out and see what happens at the trade deadline. So you take what you take one for the team. Yeah, basically. Yeah, okay. it's not. There's no I, I in team. It's the, but I know there's a me. Everybody, I know that. But basically, for right now, hold tight. The teams. It's not like the team sucks. I mean, the Yankees are flying high. So you know, just work on your skills. Keep your head down, and that's it. I mean, it's laborious watching watching Gallo. Back. I know. <laughs> And, and Hicks, the both of them. I, I know. I, it's like, I don't know if you're, uh, yeah, you remember Dave. It's like a lefty Dave Kingman. I don't know if you ever remember. No, I mean, no. he is, yeah, it's, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but it's just, it's just home run or nothing. Yeah. And it's, oh. it's, it's just frustrating. I, I, the second part, I just, just a quick question. Trade prospects. Andrew Benatendi. Yeah. Is, is, is that a possibility? It better be. Can... He better be on the Yankees radar because he is the one that would fit on this team and make them, you know, take them to the next level, I think. Who who will we have to give up for? Yeah, that's a good question. It depends. It, it's going to depend on um, mm. on where the Yankees are and, and, and everything and where the Royals are at that point in time. So I don't want to, you know, put a price tag on him just yet, but, but I will say that Andrew Benatendi would make this team actually, like, go. So anyone else on your, on your radar? Anyone else that you think would fit in? Uh, you know, right now, I mean, right now you have to look at what the Yankees need. They need a left fielder, mm-hmm. obvious. So Ben Intendi for right now would be number one A on the priority list. The starting pitching has been wonderful. The bullpen's been even better. So for right now, to it's not a you know it's just a little tweak. And for me, it's the tweak. It's in left field. Hey, thank you for making uh, putting me at ease. I was a little nervous. About uh, no, this. Peter, I, Peter, you know what? I, I give off the energy that you give that, that the callers give to me. So you, I, you went I, about it the right way, and that's it. That's we had a we had a wonderful conversation with two different points I, of view. I I, I appreciate it, and uh, and uh, keep going. I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Thanks, Take Peter. Care. Thanks for picking up the phone Take call. Care. First time in thirty years, we got one. All right, going right down this list here. Uh, Pierre in Hoboken, you are up next on the fan. Hello. Yeah, I'm actually another uh, first time in 30 years. No so, way. Two in so, a row. Yeah. No way. Yeah. 
So, so back to back. Um, so my my worry about the Yankees is not like Gallo and Hicks. It's more the longevity of the starting pitching. Like I yeah. worry about Severino since he's coming off an injury and he hasn't pitched like a whole a full season in two years. Mm-hmm. And Nestor Cortez, he he's nasty, he's awesome, but. He also has not pitched a full season. Mm-hmm. Tyone had like his ankle issues. That's a great point. I just yep. I just worry that they're not necessarily doing enough to to spell them. And like I I don't I I cringe when they're like pitching in the like the eighth inning and stuff. And I don't want to tax the bullpen, but maybe they can they can they can you know do like spot starts with uh, Clark Smith or with like other other folks. Yeah, like a bullpen sort there. of game. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of stretch a rotation out. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a good point there, Pierre. And, and I'm glad for you for calling in you too for the first time in 30 years. That's a good point. Um, you're right. And, you know, in terms of innings limits and all that stuff, it, that is also going to factor into play. So maybe the Yankees go out and get themselves another starter. Uh, or a guy who could start as well as any of those guys that you mentioned, and uh, and maybe they do it, they handle it like that. Every fifth or sixth day is going to be a, a bullpen day or whatever it is. So maybe, maybe that that would be another strategy that I would look to try to employ if I were Brian Cashman. And you know, we don't know what those innings limits are for those guys, for Cortez, for Severino. We we don't know. We are just we are not in the know. We'll never know. I don't think. Um, but if I'm Cashman, I do know that number, and I know where they are. Each all are at in terms of that number, in relation to that number. So that that might be also a good strategy as well. All right, more of your calls, 877-337-6666. Quick break. Peter Schwartz is here in studio with an update for you. I'll be right back with you. Yeah, welcome back. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on The Fan till 10 p.m. On this beautiful, beautiful Sunday here in New York City, weather-wise, that is, flew down the West Side Highway. Welcome to the program. Welcome back. At 10 p.m., I will hold, hand it over to Lori Rubinson and the program. Uh, but you know what? I have to update you. Thursday night, uh, because the team that I coach's playoff game got rained out, I was. I wasn't thinking I was going to be able to, but I was able to go to my New Jersey Play Sports Women's League basketball game. And the good news, well, here's the good news. After getting blown out, blown out for two weeks in a row, we were actually able to play with this team. We actually opened up our first lead of the season in game number three. And a double-digit one on top of that. Well, of course, then follows the good news is, is the bad news. We ended up losing the game. And I played, not probably, I played the worst game of my entire life. And, and that is not an exaggeration. It, it actually was. I, I wish I was exaggerating. Uh, I didn't score a single point. <laughs> I, I know. It was horrible. Uh, and, you know, it bothered me. I was trying to go to sleep Thursday night. It was like 1130. And I'm like, I have to be up at 6 o'clock for school. It bothered me. It bothered me that I had such a terrible showing in what's supposed to be a very fun New Jersey Play Sports Rec League with a bunch of other women who like the sport of basketball. But I like to win, and I like to be good at things. And I had the worst game of my life, and I was just turning it over in my mind and going through the shot selection that I had. And there weren't many shots that I had, by the way, and I'll get to that in a second if you want me to. But, you know, I I was never Steph Curry with the ball. But I am a great distributor, and I just haven't been in that role with this team yet. And 
you know, maybe as the season goes on, we'll get to know each other a little bit better, our playing styles, but I don't know, man, it's tough. And it's stressing me out, and it's supposed to be fun. And um, there's a teammate on my team that just doesn't play defense, and every defensive possession for us is is a five-on-four, at least a five-on-four. Sometimes it's five-on-three. And so um, I can't get behind that. I, I, you know, I, I am a gritty player. I love playing defense because I know I'm not Steph Curry. So um, anyway, so my team is 0-3. Maybe this Thursday we can uh, we can get a win. We'll see. All right, in the order that you called, Charlie and Dan Barry, Connecticut. You're up on the fan. Uh, good evening, Danielle. What's up, Charlie? Uh, uh, second time I've uh, called you, actually. And the, the first time was, a, uh, I think it was your birthday, but then later in the show, I think we have the same birthday, May 17th. May 17th it is. Uh, it's mine, too. I knew I, I liked I you, Charlie. I, that uh, <laughs> Well, I, I've called back. and uh, I love it. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, hearing uh, Tracy Barra. Uh, no, Lindsay. Lindsay, Lindsay Barra. Lindsay, yeah. Lindsay Barra, sorry. Yeah. That, uh, uh, you get to be 67 <laughs> names. It's all right. Anyway, uh, uh, I had heard about... Uh, uh, Yogi and the Purple Heart before. I thought he had it. Uh, uh, but I, knew, I heard the story about uh, uh, him not doing the paperwork at the time uh, uh, because of concern for his mother. Uh, and I think it might have been Joe Garagiola telling the story uh, uh, and that uh, on either uh, This Week in Baseball or he used to do the Game of the Week uh, uh, and do a lot of, of color stuff, the uh, uh, color commentary. Uh, uh, Garagiola and Vera grew up on the same street in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, you know, when uh, I went to St. Louis, uh, you know, to see the – I'm going – I'm on a mission to go to all the, car, uh, the, uh, the stadiums, and I went to the Cardinal Stadium, and I was only there for, like, something like nine, 18 hours or something like that, and Lindsay messaged me, and she goes, did you check out the Barra house in the Italian section? And I was like – I didn't. I didn't have time. It's not. It's not close to the city center of St. Louis. So the next time I'm out there, I'm going to have to have to go and take a look at that for sure. Well, I've been in quite a few major league uh, baseball stadiums. I had a career as a traveling salesman and uh, was fortunate to get to quite a few. Uh, but now they've built uh, some newer ones mm-hmm. uh, that I haven't been to. Uh, and that. Uh, and anyway, I did not listen to your. Uh, uh, show last night mm-hmm. uh uh and i i am not as as uh well versed technically as as you are uh, uh and i do want to say uh, i do have the odyssey app mm-hmm. uh, uh but it took me a while to find it like two or three tries because i was spelling it like uh, homer's uh, work uh, the odyssey <laughs> yeah 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 and it's not spelled that <laughs> now way we got to say yeah. with the new york accent odyssey now you can spell it right yeah that's right <laughs> That's right, but it doesn't work well on the cell phone, uh, uh, and that i got to try on the laptop. So, uh, anyway, I agree with you uh, uh, on uh, Miggy Andujar. Uh, uh, he's got a great swing, and he's a line drive hitter, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have the big, long uh, launch angle uh, swing that leads to a lot of strikeouts right. uh, against crafty pitchers. So. Uh, and I think that uh, I've I've thought for a couple of years that that uh, uh, Cashman doesn't like that that he wants him to to you know the all uh-huh. or nothing uh, swing. Yeah. Uh, 
and that. Anyway, I've taken up enough time uh, just reminiscing, and I, I do hope uh, uh, Lindsay Barra finds uh, uh, the paperwork for, for Yogi in that, and, and uh, uh, Yogi's devotion to his wife, Carmen, uh, uh, is an example I can learn from, too, and I'll end with that. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot. It's a great show, and I hope... Oh, I will. I'll end with something else. Sure. Uh, I do hope to hear you on the afternoon uh, <laughs> uh, show. I turn off WFAN then because I don't like the current afternoon show. Uh, well, uh, and they can do much better uh, with you and, and uh, Keith McPherson, uh, uh, and I'll end with that. Hey, thanks a lot. Charlie, thanks for that. We'll see what happens. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we'll see what happens. All right, let's go. Yeah, we got we got plenty of time here. Let's roll. And uh, yeah, and that's that's obviously uh, just a comment on what you said. The Miguel Andujar is he represent? He's a useful player because he represents the ideal the ideology that the Yankees have. He, he how do I say this? You said it, but he represents the ideology of what the Yankees hitters are not. And to us, old school kind of baseball mentality kind of people, that's what you're looking for. Like a Benintendi, like an Andujar. I get it. I understand. He's the exact opposite of a Joey Gallo. I'll put it that way. This is so funny. I, I've got SNY on in the studio, and Evan Roberts is on the TV right now. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, and now here's Bob Raceman. I have no idea what the show is, but they've got like these little, you know, like in the Housewives of New Jersey when they have like the little interviews on the side, like, you know, the, hold on, this is what happened. This is this. I have no idea what's going on, but I'll try, I'll try to figure that out for you. All right, let's go uh, Dave in West Babylon. You're up on the fan, Dave. How you doing, Coach? It's been a while, but it, has. it hasn't been 30 years, but <laughs> it's, it's been a while. Um, so I, I moved here to Long Island back in 98, I think, by my accident. You obviously know I'm not from New York. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's obvious. But uh, one thing I love about fans is their passion, and they're just you know all in on their on their and they're very competitive like you with the basketball team. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say what I will say is that uh, it's kind of a double edged sword sometimes because they're very impatient. Yeah. And you just have to you just I'm listening to the OTAs. Yeah, I'm a Giants guy. I'm a Giants guy through and through. I'm listening to the OTAs. People need to chill just a little bit. One thing about the uh, the Giants, they drive me crazy with this. Just be. A, I understand you might not know exactly what's going on with uh, Thibodeau's injury, whether it be a you know a muscle pull or whatever. Um, but now people are freaking out. They're like, "Oh my God, he wasn't you know he he didn't do the combine uh, the full combine. Did they know mm-hmm. what's going on? Now he might not be in, uh, calm down. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Yep. Uh, what I will, I'm going to ask you uh, for for your well, I'm going to give you a couple of stats that I think these guys can do uh, and ask you about one of the players, you know, sure. what your player is that you think that you like. Uh, the first one is Tibbs. I think that I he'll be fine. I think they're, they're just being extremely cautious, and I see about maybe five or six sacks. I think he has to get his strength up and all of that, and he's just going to ball out next year. I think and, I'm going I'm to hit the over on that because I think this Wink Martindale defense is going to absolutely favor him. Uh, so I'm going to go on the over on that one. I, the, the thing, too, is I think it's going to be a more of a collaboration. I think Aziz is going to get some, some shots. Yeah. And the, I, I could see six to eight. I don't think he's going to go double digits. I really don't. Mm, but, you know, I, know. I, could be, I could be wrong. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, also depends on 
the injury. I want to be exactly. a little. I was just about know. to say that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second one, I love this kid. You know how I love my uh, blocking tight ends that can catch. Yes. You know, Daniel Bellinger, I really think he's going to be a force in the league. I don't think this is his year. The first year, I think, I don't know, two, 250 to 300. I know that's a little high uh, receiving yards. And I think people are going to be surprised at how many touchdowns he might get this year. Maybe between four and six, because I think they're going to uh, favor him in the red zone uh, with red zone touchdowns because he, he does well. I could see some sideline catches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yards, are gonna, they're going to be back and forth depending on how much they're going to need him. Sure. Um, but And I understand that he's being considered for his blocking. I would tell people to chill. Maybe later in the year you're going to see some really good blocking. But again, he's going to have to adjust a little bit on his on his you know strength I mean, and condition. Dave, everybody the knows NFL. that these guys coming out of college, there's a gigantic step up to the NFL level. I don't think everybody knows that's the problem. Oh, well. If, you, if they don't know, now they do. <laughs> yeah, they should. So who who do you think who is your guy that you know Flot McFadden Belton who who's your who's your guy? Uh, do you think? The biggest impact player, I guess you're asking. Wandale. Yeah, Dave, here's the thing, and thanks for the call there. I, if you're asking me, and we kind of got into it a little bit last night, but for me, this draft was more about quality over quantity, and I think the Giants nailed you know, the first two picks. However, I think that beyond that, I, I've got a lot of question marks for this team. So uh, I loved, I loved my highest offensive lineman was Evan Neal on my board. So I loved that the Giants uh, got Evan Neal. Uh, he is going to be the biggest impact player for this team. Kayvon Thibodeau, again, we have to worry about you know what the injury is going to be when it comes time, uh, but he's going to be obviously the second most, I think, especially he's going to thrive in this defensive scheme. And if you're a Jeff fan, I mean, going by OTAs, you, you would think Zach Wilson was the biggest bust going. I mean, he's, he's had some, uh, some target uh, throwing issues here, some precision passing issues, if you will. So let's just take it in stride. They're working out. They're building a playbook. Don't worry about it. Don't put too much stock in it right now. Uh, let's go. Bob and Yonkers, you're up on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you, Bob? Did you happen to see the end of the Mechan? You know, I was here in the studio doing the show, and I had one eyeball on it. I can't hear the TV, obviously. I, I was trying to piece together what was going on. I got the story afterwards. So, so yes, I, I do yeah, know. Like- Yes, Dave Roberts is not having a good weekend. It was crazy <laughs> to me. It's like they have their tying run on third. Yeah, right. Trey Turner, who's having a big game, two four two RBIs. Yep, batting three hundred like on a, the year. Yeah, check. There's like a check swing. Yeah, the umpire does not call anything. He happens to tip the the catcher's mitt, and they argued for catcher's interference. Yeah, I did see that, and they won it. Yeah, and it's like, why would you want to put him on first base and not let him hit? <laughs> It's crazy to me. Yeah, you got your tying run on third. Yeah, it was. It, it's like, and then I was dying. Buck Showalter gets argued, gets interviewed afterwards, and I'm like, I just want somebody to ask Buck, would you have ever asked for that review? Yeah, he never would have done it, and that's the big difference with the Mets this year, man. Did it, but did they anybody to, ask him that question? No, they didn't. Oh. And I was dying for it. Okay. I, I wish they would have, but it was like crazy to me. Why would you ever take the bat out of his hand there? I don't know. It made no sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and after last night's thing there too, it was uh, exactly. He's not having a good weekend, like you said. Yeah, he's having a bad. He's having a bad weekend. You know, and I'm and I'm convinced. Bob, thanks for the call there. I'm thinking. I mean, as a major league manager, 
And the rule has been instituted prior to the 2020 season about the pitchers pitching uh, with six runs or more and all that. If you're a major league manager, like a, like of the ilk of Dave Roberts, do you find it funny that he didn't know the rule? I think he knew the rule, and I think he tried to get away with one. And I think, and I said it last night at the time when it happened. I said I don't think any other Mets manager prior to Buck Showalter would have been able to figure that out and call him out on that. I mean, for for crying out loud, Mickey Calloway didn't he put the wrong lineup out there or something? He he didn't it wasn't that the story? He didn't make the sub the right way or something like that. It cost him an out. Remember that? There's no way Mickey Calloway's figuring that out. And I don't. I mean, Rojas. Probably not either. It, it takes someone with Buck Showalter's, you know, ability to read the fine print um, and, and and call him out for that. So I, I do think, call me a conspiracy theory, theorist, but I think Dave Roberts knew the rule and, try, and tried to get around that one. What do you think? 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan. We are cruising. I'm going to try and get breeze through these calls as fast as possible to clear my room for more of you. It's, it's been great tonight. So uh, hang in there. And uh, let me know. What do you think? Did Dave Roberts know the rule or did he not? I think he did. I'm Danielle McCartan with you till 10 p.m. here on The Fan. Welcome back to Danielle at, at dark, McCartan before midnight, whatever it is. I, as I told Lindsey Bear earlier, I am the utility player here at The Fan. Um, I, I, I bought a ticket. Uh, Lindsey said she'll probably be there, so I bought a ticket. If you want to come, you want to you say hey? Uh, I'll, I'll be at the uh, the screening of It Ain't Over on on Friday the whatever the date is. It's, I said the tour. It's uh, Friday, June seventeenth, five thirty p.m. at uh, West Twenty Third Street. It Ain't Over, the Yogi Bear documentary. I will be there, and maybe I'll get to see you there. That'd be great. That'd be cool. Uh, so I got a I got a little bone to pick with uh, one of my friends, and he's the one I went to the Rangers game with earlier in the season, and he's got season tickets. Him and a buddy, they have season tickets. So as they're sitting in their seats um, in the series before the Lightning series, he's like, I said, Jason, I want to come to this game. I want to be there. I I mean, I want to come to, you know, the Lightning series. I want to be in the building. Game one or two, I want to be there. He's like, all right, let's let's go for for, uh, game one. I said, okay, fine. I'm in. Then we looked and the seats were like $400 for like the last row and I don't know what the season ticket thing is that he has access to. I, I have no idea. But anyway, we're looking on the secondary market. Can't get can't get in the building. So we're like, all right, that's game one. Everybody's excited. We'll probably get in for game two. All right, game two was a Friday. Even better. So, all right. And now it's like Wednesday. And he texts me. He's like, hey, uh, so uh, my wife just reminded me that Friday is our anniversary. So I won't be able to go to the game with you on Friday. And I was like, one, you're prioritizing the Rangers over your anniversary, number one. But all right. And number two, he even said to me, screenshot this. We're going. We'll be there. Make sure you screenshot it. All right, well, I got the, I got the receipts. You don't have to tell me that. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I have the receipts. And so now he's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to try game five. We're going to look at game five, and we're going to try to be there for that. So, all right, Jason, let's see if we can come through for game five. But I'm not a happy camper because I haven't seen any Rangers playoff hockey. He'll send me pictures of him and the buddy like, yeah, like, yeah, like, screw you. Like, I want to be there too. (laughs) So, Jason, you're on the clock. Kevin and Camden, you are up next on the fan. Go ahead. 
What's up, Coach? How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm a little ticked off. I mean, this Ranger game, it was winning the entire game, and then you're losing the way, you, it was, the way we lost. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, I got to say this, though. Uh, there's a lot of people on Twitter blaming true, but no, this is not on true. This is a team loss. You cannot win when you're playing that sloppily. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, they, I mean, they, they played sloppy that last period. They, Kevin, they had a golden opportunity when Kucherov went off with a four-minute penalty, and they did nothing yep. about it. Yep. And, oh, and, and the injuries to um, Goudreau and uh, Strom hurt too. Yes. I mean, you, you need with the Lightning. You need people at full strength. You, you cannot go, and especially in their building. They, you said it yesterday. They're going to feed off that energy, and they did. Yep. They fed off that energy. And, you know, I hope they win game uh, four because if they don't, it's a brand new series again. And I, 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 want, I, I really want the Rangers to, to win this next game because if it's 2 2, I, yeah, I gotta but, tell you, but, I'm not feeling too good about that. I don't know, that. but I'm supposed to be, if Jason's uh, if Jason's listening, I, we're supposed to be at game five. So I think the series is very different. Uh, even if it is tied, I, I I don't know what it is, I, but I cannot just explain the the confidence that that this you know I'm feeling with this Rangers team. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I'm no, just no, feeling no, real I confident. My, my buddy, my buddy, I have, a, I have a friend that um, now he lives in uh, Pennsylvania somewhere, but he's from Princeton. He's a diehard Rangers fan. He's the one that actually got me in the hockey. Yeah, and he was he was telling me, I guarantee you, um, Rangers are going to win this in six games. I'm like, so you're doing a Mark Messier? You're guaranteeing a victory? I'm like, ugh. I mean, he's, it's <laughs> hard to say because, I mean, if he pulls it off, it's genius. But yeah. he, he's a guy from Princeton. I'm not going to doubt him. Uh, he's, a, he's the most diehard Ranger fan I know outside of Tim. Well, there you go. But, I'm telling you, I, I, I told him, you know, call in one day. Because I told him I would love to hear you on the fan. And he said that he'll think about it. I hope he does. Uh, me too. He's a diehard Ranger fan. And I really, really think it will be awesome. And I really want the, the, the Rangers need to win this game, though, next game. Yeah. They have to try to build off of this. And, and I, I'm sorry, the Rangers, play, to, to me, a little cocky because they were up two zero, and it's to me it seemed like okay, we're up two zero. Let's let's let Igor carry it. Uh, I, maybe to, they looked. I don't know if it's that cockiness, but they did look very sluggish today. I'll give you that. Uh, you, 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 they have to, and it's just you, you got to be with this team. You can't let them off because you give them any sign oh, of yeah. life. Oh yeah, they're gonna take it, and that's the thing that worried me. And, and especially at the last minute, I'm like, you got to be. Oh, 47 man, the, seconds. I'm driving in here oh, to the show tonight. I'm like, oh, this is going overtime. Oop, no, it's not. I was actually having a party, and I stepped off for one second. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I missed the last like when they scored. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you know, we'll see what happens, but they really need to step this up here. They yeah. really do. I, and I, I hope I hope Good Rose okay, and I hope Strom is good, because like I was, we need them at full strength. Absolutely. And the Rangers need to. Not let up like they did. They have to keep when they score. They got to keep it going. That's what they have to do. All gas, so no we'll breaks, there, Kevin. Saying. All gas, no breaks. I am. I'm predicting a rain. I said the Rangers are going to lose today. I'm predicting a win in, in in the next game. Game four, win Rangers. All right, let's keep it rolling here. Uh, if you want to get aboard, it's eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six is the phone number. Um, Jason's in the doghouse. Let's see if he can pull out these game five tickets for us. Let's see. We'll see what happens. Let's go to Alan in New Hyde Park. You're up on the fan. Yeah, Danielle, how you doing? I'm all right, Alan. How are I, you? I, I had a hunch I was going to follow this guy's call, this Ranger fan. Uh, first, I'm a first-time caller with you. I've heard you uh, a few times on the air. I, I like your uh, sports perspective. Thank you. Um, 
before I give you my range of comments, just on you know on the on the Yankees, on the Gallo. Listen, uh, I know these fans call in, they bitch and moan about him. I'm one of them at times too. But listen, Gallo hit the home run today. Tied the I game at tied two. The game. Mm-hmm. I think he tied the game. He did. And it's just on, on closing remarks on Gallo, it, it's really up to two people. It's up to Joey Gallo himself to get his act together as best he can, oh, and Brian Cashman. And then we'll see where things lie as uh, the season moves on. Yep. Uh, and that's actually what I feel about. And if you're a Yankee fan, Alan, like, you, you want these guys to succeed, especially if you don't want them on the team. Because if they do better now, then it increases their trade value later. So I don't understand. Well, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. But we'll see what happens. We have Andujar. You know, there's other plays they can bring in. But it's up to Gallo now. But he, he was a big Fourth in today's win. Yes. Now the big picture with me, um, I think you're a Ranger fan too, from what you just said. You know, you don't know me, but some of the people on the on the on the air might know me. I'm going to games since 1963. I've been through it all. Nice. I go I go game by game. I don't predict. I don't do this. I don't do that. I just I predict. I I, I just watch the game. Start today goes. You cannot give up 51 shots on goal. That was a major that was, problem today. Yes. Whether the whether the team was sluggish or not sluggish. The Rangers had the first two goals on the power play. That is a reason to not lose the game. Right. Uh, and unfortunately, I know they did. But the the Lightning, after those two Ranger goals, were in complete desperation mode, yes. and they showed it. Now yep. they played they played their game up a little better, and they did something which I don't like, and many hockey fans don't like too. They were crashing the goalie. That that's happened. Many times, yes. uh, if you're watching hockey as long as I have in 63, is to try to take the goalie out as quickly and as easily as you can yep. to jolt yourself. Yep. Now, that, that all happened when the Rangers got their goals pretty much from those calls. As far as Truba goes, listen, without Truba, the Rangers wouldn't be standing up two games to one. Don't forget what Truba did against the Penguins in Game 5 and Crosby when he gave that great hit. That's true. And the guy, I can't think of his name. But, Alan, you just said you go game by game. He didn't have a great game today. Well, I was going to come to that. Yeah. I'm saying, but he's why they're here. But today, on that four-minute power play, we all sat there thinking, wait a minute, the referees, I thought it should have been a two-minute power play. I mean, we got a break on a four-minute. But one thing no one has said, and I think you were a little, little also didn't say it, heard you a little early say we're going to dinner. Mm-hmm. The Rangers in that four minutes had almost a two-minute advantage before the Truba penalty. He got taken off, I think, but there was 227 left on the, on the first penalty. So the Rangers did have an opportunity, and they had a couple of good shots. Yeah. I know the Benetton had a shot. So it wasn't like they didn't have an opportunity. That's then right. Truba took that penalty. Yep. It changed the whole thing. But still, the Rangers were in it all the way with all the momentum from, from, from Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. They were there, and unfortunately, that pass was a pinpoint pass, and the puck went, went you know, got in, in between uh, in, in between Chesterkin. It happened. It it's happens. Hockey, it happened. Yep. But the, this Ranger team, though, is far from down. I'm more concerned, before you let me go, sure. I'm more concerned with Strome. And Goodrow. Now, Goodrow came back. I mean, he's Mike Greg McCavity, I told this many times. I'm more concerned with Strom. I, I got a hunch he's going to be in trouble. I got a hunch he's going to be in trouble. But Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, 
will be a big opportunity again for these Rangers. Mm -hmm. And they have shown no reason for us to believe that they're not going to bounce back. Exactly. No and and that's, a, that. Alan, that's a great way to put that. Uh, the confidence level is, is, oh, is, is there. Without a doubt. Uh, they have Without the leadership. They have the coach. Gerard doubt. Gallant was was passed over for for the Coach of the Year award for the uh, for NHL NHL the Jack Adams award. Totally and completely passed over for well, it. That, that, that was little Bush. That was Bush. I mean, they they, they didn't give it to him. Who, who I don't know who won it, but the guy from Calgary. You take a team who won it. Cal, the Calgary well, had a good a good year too. But when you take a New York team from twenty seven victories yes. last year and almost double it. Yes. I mean, listen, I, I know the guy won before, and sometimes they want to spread the word. But that's not the main concern yeah. for me, for you, for the Rangers fans, and even for, for Gallant. Yep. He wants to win. And we need to win. And the Rangers are in a position where, yes, they, if they would have won this game, we all know where we would have been. But we didn't. That's why we come back Tuesday. The Rangers will be fully confident. Shesterkin will be fully on his game. And Tampa will be a little bit more cockier than they were today. Yeah. Well, there will be a little bit more. A little bit of hubris in there, Alan. With the mindset. <laughs> that is my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Alan, I think it's spot on. I think you're spot on. Connor, should we do break now or one more and then break? Keep going. All right. Let's do it. Any, 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 mo. Let's go, uh, Douglas, in the Bronx. Go ahead. Hey, Danielle. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Three quick. Hi, I'm doing well. Three quick notes. Yes. First, have you caught any of the Women's College World Series? Yes, I have. Yes, I've, I've, yes. Oklahoma is such a powerhouse. Oh, of course. My goodness. I loved how yeah. they were saying how uh, they have this new app in there. The coach has a new app or something that he can diagnose swings and stuff on an app. Wow. That I loved. Yeah. Do you agree with the sentiment that some have offered that they should move the neutral site from Oklahoma to other sites around the country for future. Uh, you know what? I tournament. don't think it's a bad idea because, of course, I mean, I see it every day. I had a roster of 12 kids tried out. I didn't have any cuts, so I had 12 kids on my team. Softball's sort of dying out. I would love to see it rotated around the country so that, you know, girls all over the country could, and, and boys, could see it being played. Sure. Yeah, I like that idea. Sure. Yeah, right. Uh, second note, this is a, a non-sports note. I'm flipping through channels during your show. Mm-hmm. On Channel 11, they have the MTV Awards. Oh, yeah. Get this. They have a category, Best Reality TV Star. One of the the, fa- the odds-on favorite, CT from The Challenge. No way. <laughs> Who else was in that? Teresa from the Jersey House, yes. Housewives. Yeah. But I got a slight beef with this nominee list. Not included. Misha Tate. I mean, after all, yeah, she, she won a won. reality competition, right? Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe the, the nominees were put out before she finished or something. Maybe it had to do with timing. I don't really know. Mm. But she'd get who my would you vote. vote? Definitely her. Yeah, who would, yeah, I was going to say, who would you, that would be a tough vote. CT, Misha, or Teresa? Who, who would you get your vote? Oof, anyway. uh, uh, I'd go Misha <laughs> 1, Teresa 2, and CT 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, my last note, uh, the uh, baseball and all the streaming. These one-off games oh, on horrible. on Peacock, that's not enough for me to subscribe to these services because, as you said, after the month, I don't. you don't have to subscribe to them yep. for the rest of the year. And I think, uh, you know, when, uh, when they, in Major League Baseball, book those deals with Apple TV and Peacock and these streamers, they're desperate for subscribers. Yep. I mean, these are new services. Um, they book them during the winter which means 
that during the lockout, when the owners were preventing the players from breaking in the cash, they got these deals. Like, oh, no, you can't have this extra money at mm. the time. So it's like, okay, it's a greed wins, right? But, yeah. I mean, this is, this is long history with baseball. Back uh, six years ago, uh, they took all that money from Fox, and there was that classic Cubs postseason run. Of course, they won the World Series that year. But for most of that run, was on FS1, mm-hmm. which is a cable network. I don't watch much outside of October. But, yep. um, so uh, they, you know, that's the other issue with baseball. They don't mandate that or stipulate where they should air these games to a bigger audience. Yes. You have to, as you said, it's a roadmap. It's like a maze to find these different outlets. It's exactly what it is, Douglas. And, and, and I, I said I was going to say, I meant to tell you before, so if you're like me and you paid four ninety nine today to watch the Yankees play, and, and, and that four ninety nine will carry over to the month, uh, later in the month when the Mets play on, on, um, on Peacock, here's what you do. You go into your settings, and I did this before. So, in other words, so you, that you don't get charged uh, for it again, you know what I mean? Like for next month, you're like, ah, I forgot to cancel it. So you go into your settings, you go into subscriptions, and then it's like the fourth one down, you click subscriptions again, and then it brings up all of your things, you cancel it right there. It'll still work. Mine will expire on July 4th. It'll still work until July 4th, but you won't get billed on July 4th. Follow me next for my TED Talks. <laughs> um, and you know what? I wanted to do one more thing tonight bef- before I get out of here. And it has to do with, um, you know, the, the sign stealing, pitch comm stuff. Uh, if, there's a new facial recognition software in baseball that is studying for pitchers potentially tipping their pitches. And then it's kind of relevant because Joe Madden suggested that after the game on Thursday night that Shohei Otani was tipping his pitches. So we'll talk about the software very briefly, and then we'll talk about if the Yankees were actually cheating or not in that game on Thursday. I'm Danielle McCartan. We'll dissect that next here on The Fan. Hey, welcome back to the Danielle McCartan Show here on The Fan. And really, really, really quickly, and then we'll get to your calls, 877-337-6666. You know, just when you thought that Pitchcom eradicated, like, sign stealing and all that, uh, Daniel Bart. Colorado Rockies pitcher. He comes on the WEEI podcast and says, is a quote, a guy that came into our organization this year was like, hey, I was with this other team and we had a facial tip on you. Mouth was open for a slider. Mouth was closed for a fastball. I don't know how a hitter can look in the face, compute that, and then adjust to the pitch. It's amazing to me. So basically, Daniel Bard from the Rockies is insinuating that there might be some cheating going on with some facial recognition software. And as the player uh, player of the game myself, still to this day, and I'm sure you're thinking the same thing as Bard, it's not amazing that a batter could watch both the release point of a pitcher and the facial expressions simultaneously. It's just not possible. So, I don't know. All of this, my mind started connecting some dots. Thursday morning, I saw an article about that, that, that technology. Thursday afternoon, the Yankees drilled three home runs off Shohei Otani. Carpenter, Judge, and, and Torres. I mean, Otani lasted three innings, and it wasn't great. And then after the game, the game at Yankee Stadium, Joe Madden sort of suggested that Otani was tipping his pitches. He didn't say how, and he didn't outright accuse the Yankees of cheating. But Ben Verlander, brother of Justin the Cheater Verlander, kind of did. He said Shohei has the highest chase rate of any pitcher. Today they are not budging. They're not swinging and missing much. Shohei comes out of the game and the Yankees start chasing and striking out. Yeah, told you. The Yankees have something on Shohei. And he did say this is not a Yankees cheating accusation. All right. 
But were they using the software to get an edge? I don't know. It's possible. Were the Yankees cheating? There was the heavily redacted letter, the Apple Watch thing. Here's what I think. No, the Yankees were not cheating. But as it turned out, who everyone around here but me wanted to come pitch for the Yankees, Shohei Otani just can't pitch at Yankee Stadium. He's made two starts, and he's lasted combined three and two-thirds innings. He'd given up 11 runs at Yankee Stadium. The Yankees are not cheating. Otani just sucks at Yankee Stadium. Stop making excuses. And actually, I was there for the worst one, the first one. And by there, I mean we parked the car. We saw the line to enter the stadium wrapped around the entire building. Like, the lines for each gate were intertwined with each other. No one knew where to go, where to stand. And when I say I was there to see Otani pitch, he obviously didn't last long, as we just talked about. And I didn't actually see him at all. In fact, as we were walking down the stairs to our seats... He was already walking off the mound, and we sat down. I checked back in my my photos. We sat down at 737 because we were waiting in line to get in. That is so ridiculous. All right, in the closing minutes here on The Fan, I'm here till 10. Lori Rubinson will fire up the program with you in about 10 minutes or so. Let's crank out these last calls here at 877-337-6666. Let's go Ben in Queens. You're up on The Fan. It's the usual story. If the Yankees are succeeding, they're cheating somehow. It's not because our pitcher sucks. It's not because our offense sucks. Yeah. The Yankees have something. They must. There it goes. But you know <laughs> what? It's something we talked about when when Cashman couldn't let the thing go. We yes. were like, yo. Just give it up. Come back at you during the season with this. Yeah, just give it up. Yeah, this, this is step one of that. Quickly on the Rangers. Hey, hey, I'm not saying to the caller a thing ago. I know everything Trooper's done for the team. But after you take that first penalty, Mm -hmm. you don't come back on the ice. And then 45 seconds later on your next shift, take the exact same penalty for being a dummy. Yeah. I could use another word, but (laughs) FBC is listening. All right? Now, Strong, once again, hits the post. And right there, I was like, oh, I I know. I know. I needed that third goal. I want it. Because they were on the tip of collapsing. He hits that post, and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. I know. And then not even a minute and a half later, boop, it's 2-1. Yep. So, folks, I never said sweep. I never said that this is going to be a cakewalk. But what I wanted was to take game three so that you could breathe a bit easier. Well, yeah, I I obviously. hope every I hope Rangers got their inhalers because from here on, Lightning's a part of this series. And here's the thing that should scare Ranger fans: Stamkos's head is now in the game. Mm. Stamkos was you didn't hear Stamkos's name in the first two games. He was all over this game. That's the problem. Well, we'll have... hey, you can live with Kucherov on the wing. Because Kucherov isn't a facilitator. Matter of fact, today, I was shocked he made that pass. Absolutely shocked. Because usually he just takes that dead shot. But you know what? Stamkos is in the game now. The climb is going to be a little bit harder. But let's go, Rangers. Yeah, let's go, Rangers. Thank you for the time. LGR. LGR. Let's go, Rangers. I think they're going to win the next game. I didn't predict that they were going to win. Uh, today's game, I'm predicting a game four win. Hey, Sparky and Dobbs Ferry, he's going to be the Mariano Rivera of the night here. Sparky, what's up? Not much. 
Coach, I hope you get that afternoon opportunity. Hey, I'm free. I'm ready. Coach, because you know what? Your competitive fire and passion add to the quality of your show. Sparky, if no one sticks up for me, then, then, you know what I mean? I got to do it for myself, you know? Hey, because you know what? It does show how much you care about the show. Yes. And obviously, you must be the same way when you're teaching. Yes. Okay. Um, Now... As far as Ben and Tandy, let's say at the trade deadline they don't get him. Do you think there's a possibility maybe they are grooming Aguilar to play left field? Oh, for sure they are. Maybe. They, they, yes, they have to be. That's why uh, they sent him down. He's better playing left field at the minor league level than sitting on the bench watching it being played at the major league level. Okay, and today's game showed a lot about this team. Because last year, there's no way they win this game. There's no way. Yeah. You know, they they didn't... I mean, let's face it. As the, as Marlon Brando said in Guys and Dolls, this game, luck be a lady tonight. Because they were very lucky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, listen, I was expecting, fully expecting that game, and Sparky, thanks for the call. I was driving in on the George Washington Bridge. I'm like, all right, they're going to take it to the locker room. And uh, it's, it's going to be overtime. And then all of a sudden, bang, bang, boom, 47 seconds left. And they find themselves on the losing end. I mean, we've talked at length about it. Uh, I think the Rangers are going to win game four. We'll see what happens. Um, and by the way, I texted my cousin, hey, are you watching? Just to rub it in when it was 2-0. Of course, they scored five seconds later. So thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you tonight. Love coming here and talking with you. If you missed any portion of today's show, rewind feature, 7 p.m., Great job, as always, to Connor Green behind the glass, Pete McCarthy on the updates, Peter Schwartz as well. See you next Saturday night after the Yankees postgame until about 3 a.m. In the meantime, hit my social media accounts at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I'll keep the conversation going throughout the week. Lord Rubinson firing up the program. Up next, in minutes, here on WFAN New York City. Sports Radio 101.9 FM. WFAN.